mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we are finally back. Season three. We've been away for three weeks, but it's been like five weeks since I've done a deep dive. (laughs) Does it feel like longer? It feels like it's been nine years. Does it? Well, Mm. it feels longer when I think about the last topic I did on a deep dive because I was staying at my sister's for that and that feels like forever ago. Yeah. So when I think about it in those terms, I'm like, oh, that was forever ago. But then we also had two more episodes after that, but... Deep dive wise, it's been forever. Yeah, no kidding. So we took a little bit, you know, we intended to take two weeks off Mm -hmm. regardless. I always feel like there's a good time to like, you know, take some time between seasons. And then I was literally like, I had my notebook out and I wrote down the episode name and I went and grabbed the new DVD. And then I was like, I can't do it. And that was (laughs) a whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him, I'm like, I need another week. Yeah. And I was feeling really guilty about it at first. I'm like, I need another week because I was in the middle of so many projects and people who I have, we have had other people reach out and they're like, who live locally? And they're like, I totally get the, like the seasonal depression thing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's also the impending doom is coming where, I mean, it's already been 99. So what's the difference? But it's about to be like hundred degrees this weekend. And I feel like so, it's yeah. like the impending doom of like, I need to get shit done before we have to completely hibernate and you sit in your house and don't move yeah pretty much to survive Mm -hmm. so i was in the middle of like major cleaning projects and i was like i just need to finish this organization i'm like and i get so between vintage and this my weeks are packed so i'm like i just need an extra an extra minute i get a lot of comic book reading done in the summer because it doesn't make the room hot yeah, it doesn't you, like... like I know I, people probably out there like, but you have air conditioning. It's not the fucking same. Yeah. It is not the same. Like I've told him, I don't care if the thermostat says 78 and it's like, well, it's 78. The 78 when it's 90 degrees outside in your house is an entirely different 78 in your house when it's 115. Agree. I don't care that the fucking thing on the wall says it's the same. It's not the same. Right. So it's like, even if you're inside with air conditioning, you just move and you're just fucking dripping sweat. So I was like, I just need to get this shit done. It'll make me feel so much better before I crawl into my cocoon. But we did get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Woody's been organizing her ass off. Well, we did the, while you were off between the two jobs for the five days, we did do the garage, which we shared on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We did do the laundry. We did get the blankets washed. Yep. Never mind the fact that our dryer, after spending $300 trying to fix it multiple times, we're done trying to fix it. So now we actually do have to go to the laundromat, yeah. laundry laundry but we got the blankets clean. And I had another really, really big accomplishment during this time off. Twice, twice, I loaded up things into my car for Goodwill, and I took them straight there. And they didn't roll around in my car for seven months. Yeah. Or it didn't sit in a pile in the corner for it's three amazing. months. I'm so proud of myself. This ranks up there in my lifetime achievements with like the single time I finished a chapstick before it got <laughs> washed and lost and melted in the dryer or yep. whatever. So ranks pretty high on my life life Very accomplishments nice. list. So Very nice. But the other good thing 
about us waiting. I was trying to justify. I felt really guilty for a while that I was like, I said two weeks. Yeah. But I was trying to like justify it to Tim. <laughs> like, yeah. I kept like, and he's like, it's fine. Yeah. But I think it actually works out really well because so today we're recording. We plan to put it out tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the one year anniversary of our first episode. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I think that's cool to put out season three on a very specific day. Agree. So not only is tomorrow the anniversary of the podcast starting, but it's also Tim's first day at his location of his new job. Yep. I spent the last four weeks training at the busiest store in the brand. Um, So we've been, it was also ironically like, three blocks away from the hotel that i just came from so um so yeah so it was right there um so i've been training there and tomorrow i start at my new place and except for the mere fact that probably an hour and a half ago they called and asked if you could come in tonight (laughs) so you want to explain they have a big um what they call the yard and it's um kind of a big covered open area with a lot of like uh, community seating and like games there's like ping pong and and um cornhole and stuff like that out there um well there was a group that was supposed to watch spoiler alert this is happening on a night the Suns are playing a playoff game so there was like a group that was supposed to come and like watch the game and then it doubled and then it tripled the amount of guests and then now they bought out the whole restaurant for the evening so um, I got a call that was like, I know it's your day off. I know you're supposed to start tomorrow. Will you come help us for like three to four hours with this giant like restaurant buyout? So, so Tim was like, yep, we just got to, he didn't tell them record a podcast, but he's yeah. like, me and my wife have something we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which usually we've been, re- we've been recording at night and right before my day's off, I was like, we should record in the morning so I could watch the game and then we can like, you know, kind of have like a day and. And then it's a good thing we chose to do that. Yep. So that kind of recaps you on what's been going on and the break in between Mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, I do have two orders of business before we actually get into the episode. Okay. First one being I have a corrections corner that not a single other person on the planet (laughs) noticed, cared, paid paid attention to it all. Because it's not even really, here's what it is. But it's important to me. Okay. Hear me out. On the State of the Pod episode... I was talking about, I, I, I said something along the lines of like, I'm just a girl trying to rebuild her life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the word rebuild has like a negative connotation to it. It okay. kind of is like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, things turned around in my life that were unexpected, but I'm like, I feel like rebuild is has a negativity to it that mm-hmm. gives the twat waffle that was the catalyst to all of this, like some sort of power that I don't want her to have because yeah. I don't feel like I'm rebuilding. I am just building yeah the life that i wanted and i was handed the opportunity um to do it when i probably would have never made the jump so um fuck that twat waffle i'm building (laughs) not rebuilding i thought you were going to say i said i was a girl rebuilding a life and i'm a woman rebuilding her life damn it oh that you're (laughs) like you're you're like um i'm a woman i thought that's what you were gonna say Okay, so that's my corrections corner. And then just one thing before we get started so you guys kind of understand where we're going. If you remember, we talked about making an episode bingo card type thing. Mm-hmm. So Tim and I came up with about like 19 different ideas for squares. And then like a couple nights ago, we ended up putting it up on the gram. 
got a ton of really good suggestions. Like, mm-hmm. we had pages and pages and pages. So we went through them all. Some of them were the same of what we had. We, Anyways, we came up with 24 squares. So what we're going to do, I'm going to create a, like, a nice graphic version that will go up in stories every week so you can see what we marked off. Mm-hmm. But Tim and I are going to watch the episodes. We have the same boards, but just mixed up different ways. Yeah. So while we're watching the episodes, we cover our bingo boards. And so when we're going through the episode, we'll be like, oh, we got a square or something like that. So it's just kind of a little fun, fun way to see. Mm -hmm. And if you want to end up seeing what everything that's on the board, just go to the Instagram later this week after visuals, we'll have that up for you to see. Getting into the actual episode now, which is episode 41, the Evelyn episode, which remember how I told you that I was always knew that. Michelle had her sister named Evelyn, mm-hmm. but I forget what episode it was, but then we found out there was somebody on the other side that was also Evelyn. So I was like, oh yeah, they, I forget who it is now. Someone on boob side. Okay. So I was like, oh, there's Evelyn's on both sides. So this is one of Joy's kids. Okay. So this episode, the the name of it is so awkward. <laughs> it is. Oh, Duggar, baby! Exclamation point. It's a ellipses. <laughs> so it premiered on June 30th of 2009. But I want to make two little notes first. So the premiere, the premiere date is really weird to me because this is considered a new season. It's season three, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, wait, we're starting. Yeah, yeah. So I almost said, oh, my God, we're starting season three at the same time. I'm an idiot. I just had that, <laughs> that sudden moment where I got excited for a split second. And I'm like, you're dumb. That's why it's season three, because we're going with their seasons, you dummy. Wow. But you're real pretty. Thanks. Thank you. Um. I got to gather myself now. <laughs> anyway, so it's they're saying that it's a new season, but the date of this is June 30th. And the previous episode that we just covered, Duggars on Wheels, mm-hmm. which now does seem like forever ago. Mm-hmm. That was June 23rd. It was a week. There's no, there's no, <laughs> it, it premiered, season three premiered the very next week, like a normal episode. Like, <laughs> yeah. why, are, wh- where's the division? I feel like you need to have some sort of break. Yeah. To make it feel... So, I just think that's really odd. Like, why are you even calling it season three? Yeah, it's weird. Um, And then I did want to point out that while... So, the intro is a little... Pretty much the same. There is one part that instead of Jessa talking is now Ginger talking. Mm -hmm. But it still ends with Josiah talking and it still has Michelle. The music is a little bit more muted. Yeah. But the music on the menu of the DVD is different. Agree. Which I'm curious to see if it'll get stuck in my head because that DVD menu, man, <laughs> that little like thing got stuck in my head so bad. It's also like abruptly loud. It's weird. Yep. So that was always in my head. So this one, I'm like, will this ever like ring with me? Because it's a little more mellow. Okay. So the episode begins with baby cannon saying that they're going on a shopping trip with Anna for the baby. So as they're walking out of the house, Anna is holding Michelle's baby in the car seat carrier, which um, I guess I could have Jordan. I'm just like <laughs> Michelle's baby, but Jordan. Um, and then cannon says, quote, let me carry the baby. You've got two babies. You only need to carry one baby. I'll carry my baby. A lot of baby. There, yeah. <laughs> um, do you think in that moment that the other, like the older Doug girls were like, that's how we get a break. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have to be pregnant yeah. to get some fucking help. But I'm even then I have my doubts because I'm like, this is probably because it's her 
first grandchild from her daughter-in-law i don't think she'll lend the same to her daughters yeah i think there's more of an expectation there i agree with that so they probably got excited and they're like yeah never mind (laughs) but actually the older duggar girls they're they're not even present for this little shopping excursion yeah the the cast of characters is interesting it's i didn't recognize the one well we'll get there it's michelle anna grandma and susanna is that who you didn't recognize was susanna oh susanna i have no idea who that is that's um anna's sister okay yeah i didn't recognize she was the one that before like had the pillowcase was like showing off the pillowcase and the one that was like like when she was sewing she's like we'll be here all day if we do it like me or like you know like yeah that she's kind of the ginger of the group she's a little more expressive like her (laughs) face shows what she's thinking right so yeah so it's her little sister that's right under her so canon um she probably left all the doug girls behind to watch the kids and probably thought she was doing them like some big favor because you know she took the baby at least well yeah so she practically gave them a day off, leaving them with only like 14 kids to, you know, no way. But yeah, besides themselves, there's like 14 kids to watch, yeah. you know? But That's she it. took the baby. So we see them back at the Samaritan thrift shop, which we've seen them shopping at before. Mm-hmm. So they're all just kind of looking at baby clothes. And it's funny to hear Anna say things like, it's so nice to have Miss Duggar around. Yeah, that was the way she said that was real awkward. Miss Duggar. Miss Duggar. Uh, only because I'm thinking of what she ends up calling Michelle down the road, okay. which you'll hear someday. But I was like, oh yeah, what preceded that? So now I'm curious to see like, does it stay Miss Duggar before of what I'm thinking of? Does okay. it change? Just kind of one of those things. I'm like, now I'll be paying attention to. Mm. But I was just, I was really thrown up by, th- thrown up, thrown off by <laughs> Miss Duggar. Yeah, that was weird. It seemed oddly placed. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, Cannon is holding up like a little like a little dress and it has like little cherry appliques on it. And it's gasp. Clutch your pearls if you got them. <laughs> Clutch your uh, event statement necklace that Michelle wears if you got them. <laughs> it's sleeveless. Yeah. And she says, quote, the good thing is if it's something like this, you can put a long sleeve under it. Yep. Which not only takes me back to my own teenage years sitting in my young women's class at church. All the girls wearing their spaghetti strap dresses with with shirts underneath. Shirts underneath. <laughs> um, it also takes me back to the early seasons of Sister Wives. Robin and Mary were the worst offenders of this. Christine too, but I feel like Robin and Mary were horrific. It hits a point where you're like, sometimes it looks all right. And then other times I'm like, just pick out a different fucking shirt, man. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, look good, yeah. you know? Like it doesn't go. It takes yeah. away from it. They're like wearing some like nice frilly shirt and then like a cotton like under. <laughs> like what are you doing? Like wear something different. Like I feel like just dress to your... Stop trying to make things that don't fit your standards happen. Just wear something else. Just wear something else. Yeah. Yeah. There's sometimes where it looks, if there's like a 90s look to it, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then there's just like, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's fine line. You're Actually, making no, it's not it more that fine of, of a line. thing by trying to modify it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I take that back. It's not a fine line. It's two very distinct groups and that's it. <laughs> so next is when we start. I felt like I got really amped up over that. You did. Digging there's into a lot some- of mustard on that one. I didn't do that, though. I think that's why. Like, mm-hmm. I 
was like, no, this looks dumb. I'm not going to make it. Like, And I feel like yeah. it's like, look, I'm Mormon. Look at me. <laughs> so next is when we start seeing a little shade being thrown around. Okay. In a talking head, they ask Anna, do you think you and Amy have a similar or different fashion sense? <laughs> and Anna's reply is like, it's pretty dorky in its ex- execution. But you can tell she's a little uncomfortable with the question. So she goes kind of over the top sarcastic with it, I think, to try to curb a little bit of like her mm-hmm. uncomfiness. Yep. And she says, oh, I think we're the same and like laughs. laughs. Yeah. And she does this motion. I'm trying to see if people understand this. So she's got her two pointer fingers that are like spread apart, like out in front of her. Mm-hmm. And then she brings them in to like touch in the middle in front of her. So she's like, oh, I think we're the same. Mm. Well, you could tell how uncomfortable she was when they were starting to ask the question. Because she was listening to what the question was, like, you know, when you're focused. And then when I feel like she knew where they were going, then she started averting her eyes. And, like, she made her mouth all weird. And I'm like, she knows they're going to ask her a question. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Because I think she remembers how that shopping trip went. So she was like, they say, Amy, she's like, here we go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, I like I love it because then immediately after that it cuts to a scene of Anna very excitedly, mind you, proclaiming that's cute about something, and then she she pulls it off the rack because it's on its hanger, and then Famy says, "quote It's so Duggarish. Come on, that's something every Dugger wears is collared shirts," <laughs> and she says it like sassy and yep. just pretty much just like that, like that. Anna doesn't actually say anything in response, but she does that. It's like the variation, like the opposite, but the variation on the eye roll where instead of rolling your eyes, you just kind of make them slightly bigger. (laughs) You know what I mean? Almost like in a, okay, like it's like a biting your tongue, but not rolling your eyes kind of thing. So there's a little bit of a tension there. Like I felt like it was a little bit uncomfortable and like, Maybe funny, kind of, but at the same time, I felt like Anna was uncomfortable and yeah. felt tense it about felt it. It felt like it. Yeah. But I feel like you're like that when people are kind of just over the top. I feel like you do get that thing where you're like, just just all tone all it right. down a little bit. Like, okay. just stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, And in the talking head, Anna then says, quote, Amy and I definitely have different taste, um, which is fine. And she says, oh, I, I said it wrong because I have my note says that she says fine, very high pitched. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it's very convincing. Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced because she's like, everything's fine. Like, Come down, Ross. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> and then she, after saying everything is fine, um, she says that, you know, because individu- individuality and she doesn't quite say individuality the she was way, close, though. but it is very, cl- very. Yeah. I'm glad you noticed because mm-hmm. she is not saying individuality, but it's not indiv- It's not the vigi. Yep. It is some kind of crossbreed in the middle. Yep. But um, anyways, she has a lot of good ideas, so it's great shopping with her. She is Oreo cooking. Yo, cooking, yeah, yeah, like. She, yep. like you gotta, you know, say the little thing in the middle and then, but you know, but she's great. Mm-hmm. She has great ideas. Yep. And then in a talking head, Famie says, quote, Anna is so, 
Not vanilla, but she definitely has her ways set. Word to the wise, Amy. Um, saying Anna is so not vanilla is indeed calling her vanilla. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the same as not to be a bitch. Yeah. It's I don't same. mean to be offensive, but what I'm about to say is really Real offensive. Real offensive. Yep. <laughs> it's the same. If, if you have to say something at the beginning, generally, I don't know. The disclaimer. Although I know we're all probably, like, I know I've probably done that before, but. <laughs> Amy probably thinks that she's, like, Rocky Road. You know, if, if Anna's vanilla. Oh, yeah. She's, she's like, the interesting I one. I yep. am Rocky Road. Yep. So then there's just more watching them shop. And this is where I feel like we really see how much Amy and Susanna get along pretty well. Okay. They're dressing up in weird stuff and whatnot and just doing that, like, that that type girl shit where it's just mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm going to be so funny and try on all these, yeah, like, things and whatever. So they end up um, buying both boy and girl baby items. Mm-hmm. Saying that they can always save it for later because obviously we know they definitely don't intend to be done after this child so chances are they'll get use out of anything they buy Mm -hmm. at this point someday so we did get a uh a bingo square yep we did because right after this one of our squares is somebody saying buy you save the difference Mm -hmm. and anna says it so she is slowly you know becoming one of the fam yep she's making it as a dugger they mentioned that when they were checking out um and they were the guy was ringing everything in. That was the line where Anna was like, oh, if we went to a regular mall, we would have gotten two or three outfits for this. Yeah. You know, and this, we got all of the, a whole bag of for all these. forty six fifty. Yep. And then that was when she said it. We also got Femi Gone Fame. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yes. this part. Yep. Yeah. So we have a Femi Gone Fame um, square, which honestly can just work for any time she's in an episode because to me if she's in it she's faming she's going to fame yeah Yeah. like it's just Mm -hmm. is what it is she that's why she's there so we have two squares because of that i felt like hearing anna say the bayou saver difference i really do feel like that's part of the initiation into the family (laughs) if she can get the right amount of tomatoes she (laughs) will cross over into the next (laughs) tier you know so baby cannon was rubbing her hands together like that the meme of the guy in the yellow suit (laughs) yeah (laughs) So, anything else on that before we go to, like, the other section of the episode? Nope. Okay. Was that all of our bingos in that time? That was all the bingos. There, right. w- The one funny Famy line was that they put this really awful, like, floral pattern, like, vest on Anna. No, it was on Susanna. That's when she and Susanna were messing around. Yeah. And she was like, you look like a dead old quilt. <laughs> that was pretty funny line. Very random thing to say. Yep. A dead old quilt. I didn't know that quilts were... Quilts could die. Yeah, so... So now the episode switches to Pest and Anna, and they're going to the doctor's office. So we just get another square. Yep. Doctor's visit. So we have doctor's visit, because we mm-hmm. figure between all the baby births, baby ultrasounds, trips to the dentist, you know, so. We're like Casey and JoJo over here. Baby, 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 baby. Yep. So we just got another square. So we're up to three squares. Yep. Okay. So they're going to the doctor's office. Anna is 21 weeks along, and they're having the ultrasound to find out the gender. Mm-hmm. But they say that they were wanting a way that the whole family could find out at the same time. Josh is like, not everybody can fit in the doctor's office. So Grandma Duggar s- suggests the whole gender reveal cake thing. 
Mm-hmm. So they're having the ultrasound, and in a talking head and voiceover, Josh says, quote, I don't really know how it got around, but somehow it got to the Today Show. Oh, you don't oh, know. <laughs> Great acting skills there, Pest. Um, it's really a wonder how a show they've been on before to announce other pregnancies <laughs> and gender reveals hmm. knows what's going on with same said family that has a TV show. <laughs> it's a real how wonder. It how did real it get around? Serendipity, you know. How did it get around? Who's talking? Oh my god. We do have a bingo square. What's that? Phone belt clip. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We got that on there, and it is loud and proud and very obvious during this <laughs> doctor's office visit. Like, it, I feel like it's like zeroing in at different points. I was like, there it is. So, Pest's acting skills continue to be tested as he says, quote, They've invited us to New York, and they said, Hey, come up and bring the cake. And I was like, Well, we didn't have a cake. So, TLC has a show about the cake boss. And the guy said, hey, I'll bake the cake for it. So we're like, that's awesome. Yep, that's exactly how it happened. I'm sure yep. that's mm-hmm. the exact sequence of events. Mm-hmm. So believable. Not just a way to plug another show on TLC. <laughs> I mean, they were just like, bring a cake. And they're like, I'm sure they really thought that they were traveling from Arkansas with a cake from, with a, cake. from a local retailer. Of you know. course. On, you know, flying coach. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what they expected. <laughs> oh, you don't have one for the national TV show? Anyways, from the biggest city that has bakeries everywhere if they wanted something down the street. So then um, Dr. Sarver comes in and asks what they think it is. And Pess says that he thinks it's a girl. And then Anna says she thinks it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, one of you's right. Oh, yeah. She's an odd one. She is. She's really like, she's quiet and dry, but then will like smile, but it's like weird. And I don't yeah. know. She's hurt. like, I love a dry sense of humor, but hers is a little off putting. She's an interesting character. Yeah. So after they leave, they show Dr. Sarver calling the producer, Sean, to tell him the gender. And it's probably the only time in the show that we hear something being bleeped out that I can think of. Mm. Yep. It's not the only form of censorship, which you'll see going at some point in the future, Tim. But it is the only bleeping that I can remember. I could be wrong. Maybe there's something else. But Okay. I was like, oh, little taste of... They were like, we don't usually have to do this. <laughs> that guy had to come in just for that. He was yeah. like, oh, man, I'm ready. They had to call the sensor into yeah, the yeah. editing booth. Yeah. They're like, we need you to bleep 0.5 of a second. <laughs> so now we're watching Pest and Anna pack for their trip. Um, and it's going to be Anna's very first time going to New York City. Mm-hmm. Not a ton to report with the packing and the travel scenes. Do you have anything to no. say? Yeah, that's nothing. I made a joke about like, Pest was like, oh, Anna's such a good packer on trips and i was like she really knows how to get the maximum space out of all those pringles cans you know Mm -hmm. that was the only thing that i made it yep oh which actually gives me the opportunity to plug the fact that one of the i bought little charms that are supposed to be jewelry charms because they have like a little hook at the top (laughs) but i bought little charms to use as our markers for our bingo cards Mm -hmm. and one of them is pringle cans little cans of pringles yep (laughs) and then i also have little bricks of ramen noodles inspired (laughs) by our our buddy Jackson biting mm-hmm. into a brick. 
Yep. And then I have White Claws, just because it's something that they would not approve with. of. And then I also have packs of cigarettes because it's something else that would... I wanted to do an equal part, like a 50-50. Yeah. Things that are them and then the other part that are... They'd be horrified by. Correct. So now it's the morning of the Today Show and they send a car to pick them up. Yep. Anna's outfit is... It's unfortunate to me. <laughs> like maternity clothes have come a long way mm. than... I mean, now what you can get can be really cute. Right. But... This time it wasn't that great, and then in Fundy World, you're not. Your options not, are way yeah, less. It's not good. Yeah. Um, and so Anna, she's just wearing this like giant pastel sack, and it's just so <laughs> bad. I feel like I'm like, oh man, and it's the exact same outfit as when they were at the doctor's office. So it's not like she even got anything special. I'm like, go to Good Samaritan for another <laughs> trip and get another, like, get something. Special. Get a different you colored I mean? sack. Yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's the least she could deserve, you know? So it's just like nothing special. And she's on, the girl's, poor girl's on national TV looking like she does any other day. Like, I don't know. Like, even when we see Michelle on there, she's dressed up. And remember when she had the Maine Coon oh, on yeah. her shoulder? Because, like, yeah. they did her hair different. And I'm like, she doesn't even look have a Maine Coon on her no. shoulder. She's just looking like a fucking Easter egg. And, and it's bad. <laughs> um, but I will say... She is, however, wearing a black skirt versus the denim skirt she was wearing at the doctor's office. Mm. And she's wearing the same heels that she wore during the shark honeymoon night. Okay. So she did fancy it up with the heels and the black skirt. So instead of in like Fundy World, instead of having like the LBD, like the little black dress, you have like the BBS, which is like the big black skirt. Yes. And I think instead of black Ooh, she's tie. she's got that BBS. Yeah. And instead of black tie events, it's black skirt events. I think Anna's like, oh, well, this is a black skirt event. <laughs> yep. Little bl- big black skirt. Big black skirt BBS. Black skirt events. <laughs> I think that's definitely it. So then it shows the rest of the Duggars. They're in Tennessee staying at the Bates house. So the Today Show sent a satellite truck to their house to cover it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where we need to discuss it. We have a bingo square that we just put down Bates. Mm -hmm. Because I think we were initially intending, okay, the Bates make an appearance. Does the fact that they're at their house and their name is mentioned, even though we don't see them, does it count as a square? I say it counts only because neither of us got bingo. I think it counts to me either way, even if we were to get a bingo. <laughs> because it's like blatant mention, right? Yeah. They're in their home. Yeah, that's true. I think being in their home is like the mm-hmm. deciding factor. All right, so we're covering a square. We got Bates. So um, during all of the, like, you know the segments where you're upcoming? So they do the little things before they go to break where it's like, coming up next, blah, 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 blah. And they show you like the green room or yeah, whatever. Or, yeah. So they got Pest and Anna that they're already sitting waiting at their... Um, so they show the Duggars all sitting like in Tennessee in the Bates living room that has plywood everywhere. Because um, you'll see why coming up in a few episodes. But I'm okay. like, man, it's a real bad shot. There's like half construction going on. And then they have Josh and Anna sitting on the couch ready to go. They're not even in the green room. They're like in their interview yeah. spots. But those are always awkward, I feel, on TV anyway, because that's usually when people, like, awkwardly wave or, like, mm-hmm. something like that. But in this moment, I was like, Anna is me. She's, like, sp- trying to, like, hold a smile. 
Yeah, she's trying not to move very much, but hold a smile. And it's so awkward. I'm like, that would be me. Like, forcing a smile on... Oh, God. And then I was like, that's me. Don't ever put a camera on me. Ever. As you can tell, there will never be video recordings of our podcast. So, now they show the segment, and Lego and Cannon are saying how excited they are for grandchildren. And Lego says, quote... We hear it's a lot easier than being a parent. Like, he fucking knows anything about parenting. (laughs) Like, he knows how difficult it is to actually be a parent, yeah. Ridiculous. (laughs) And so, we have a square that says boob has to parent, but I think that this would be a stretch. Agree. If it was more vague, it's something about just boob and parenting, if we were to edit it to, like, but we said boob has to parent. But yeah, I just thought that was such a ridiculous statement. Like... (laughs) Jana and Jill would like a word, please. <laughs> but what else are they going to say? They're on Good Morning America. They were asked, "You're oh, you're having your first grandchild. Like, there's nothing else he could have said. Is there? It doesn't mean that it was, like, not awkward. <laughs> but, like, what the hell else was he going to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like interviews after sports where it's like... Both teams played hard. Yeah. Or, you know, like... You know, you, you just got to get out there and give 110%. We gave it you know. today. We gave, but, you know, just wasn't enough today, and the other team played better. It's like yep. that. It's you know, like you, you like, left s- it all on the court, and, uh, you know, just sometimes it doesn't, the ball doesn't roll your way, and, you know, you got to grab your lunch pill, come back to work again on Monday. Like, it's that kind of shit. Yeah, like, stupid nothing questions. You get stupid <laughs> nothing answers. So before they cut the cake... Meredith, who's the one doing the segment, she asks Josh and Anna what they think it's going to be. And Josh ends up saying that he's been having a feeling the whole time that it would be a girl. So now he for sure thinks it's going to be boy. And then Anna says, I've been thinking boy, but a girl would be great. So then they cut the cake and the inside is pink. So they're having a flamingo. (laughs) And there's white frosting, so it's going to be white. Yeah, exactly. They're having a girl that will be white. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So just a little foreshadowing. Josh says that they've been thinking about M names. So down the road, there could be a Meredith. And she says, quote, don't pull my leg here. You know, I've been your biggest fan. I wonder how much she hates those words now. Oh, Meredith. Well, you can't find this show on anything, so, like, (laughs) streaming, so it's not living in the public eye anymore, you know? That is a, like, that's a a decently socially appropriate joke, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll give him that, like. But if you remember, do you remember one of the times that they went to the the time that the Maine Coon episode? Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember how Meredith like came when they were on the stairs and like talked to all of them? Oh, yeah. She really stood there and talked to Josh for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, I wonder if she cringes. Like I just I remember <laughs> thinking at the time, I wonder what she thought when all of this came out. Having yeah. just been when you're a person that like it's not like she knew. I'm not saying she knew him well or whatever, but I just kind of wonder how it hits when it's. You're like, oh, didn't see that coming or did see that coming. Right. Like, it's just interesting. Yeah. So we know that they do end up doing that down the line, mm-hmm. naming a kid uh, Meredith. But that poor girl gets called Diffy. So <laughs> unfortunate yet again. Uh... The girls get fucking shafted. It's so unfortunate. <laughs> bad clothes. Bad nicknames. They got to take care of everyone. Diffy. They can't make any decisions for themselves, and you're diffy. Awful. I mean, poor girl. 
We should start up a fund for Dithy. <laughs> Get her a name change. She we're change gonna, her name. We're going to create a fund and we'll hold on to it. And so when she turns 18, we'll be like, look, if you want to change your name. If you want to. We have resources. No, just kidding. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know how much it even costs. If anything, I'm just saying shit. And that's really kind of it. Pest changes into jeans and Anja changes out of her black event skirt. <laughs> her BBS, her big yep. black skirt. Big black skirt. To a khaki skirt. Damn. It's quite a choice. Cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She went cash. But like business cash. Like, you know, <laughs> I feel like the black skirt would be business casual to other people, but that's event. That's like formal Correct. wear for that's, her. Mm-hmm. I feel like the khaki is like the, yeah. the business cash. Yep. So she can feel like a lady walking around New York City. <laughs> and it just shows like very uh, brief, like them walking. And talking and, about tall buildings. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're like really sightseeing or anything. But. Yeah. And that's kind of it. That's it. How'd it feel to be back? Good. Weird, but good. We've done a, we've done a lot of bit of work. We had some like meetings. We had two kind of like <laughs> like uh, a lunch and dinner meeting where we went out what is it, and like spent a <laughs> time together which never happened before um but then we were actually doing like podcast stuff and the joke i made was i was like man if we ever turned this into a business we could calculate these as a business lunch well what is it like in um jobs where they call them like lunch and learns Mm-hmm. oh yeah i feel like this was like a luncheon list a lunch and a list because so one of them what we and we actually put it up on instagram Last week, a week ago today, we went to Tim's future spot mm-hmm. to eat lunch. Before, before they knew who I was. Yeah, because we were like, he's like, okay, we yeah. can eat, and then we can he can kind of vibe, see if there's anything, what's going mm-hmm. on. Just kind of look around before anybody knows who he is. And we sat there for like two and a half hours, and we were mm-hmm. working on podcast stuff, like lists. So luncheon list. Yep. The funny thing about that, though. So our um, our waitress was very chatty. She was very nice, very mm-hmm. chatty. And then, but I knew. So Tim has a manager's card. For the company. Because the, the company has a lot of different uh, concepts. So he doesn't just get to eat at his particular store or his particular concept. He can work, he can eat at any of the concepts anywhere in the, anywhere and get 50% off. Yeah. So he has this like manager's card. And I was like, she's going to say, I'm like, what are you going to say? Because we've sat here the whole time yeah. not mentioning it. And, and he's we've, like, in a side note, we've eaten twice at different concepts to use that card but and they've never asked to me the big difference is that they were they're both concepts that are um quick serve yeah so it was you like takeout. so you, yeah so mm-hmm. one was a pizza place and this other one anyway so it's the type where you go up to the counter one is completely to go there's not even a place to sit for yeah. pizza and then another one is the you go up and order and then they bring it to you at your table but i yeah. was like i think those people at the register they don't give a shit but i'm like when you've been sitting here talking to a yeah. waitress i'm like she is gonna ask you mm-hmm. and so she did so tim showed the card and she was like oh where are you and so he had to like tell her yeah and it was and it, i was like well <laughs> uh, i'm actually gonna be the chef here and she was like oh and i told tim um I wonder, we don't care. We don't give a shit because it's not something that bothers us. But I, when we were getting in the car later, I was like, I wonder if hindsight she regrets talking to you about blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder she if she's was, like. You could tell that she's kind of that, like, and I'm not I'm not saying chatty is bad, but you yeah, can no. tell that she's kind of like the oversharer 
where she kind of gives a lot more detail. Which than... I don't, you know me, I'm a slut right. for details. I love right. it all. Yeah. <laughs> love but it. you could just tell that she's that person where you're like, okay, you're, st- oh, you're still giving me details. Okay. I was just thinking that if I were her, I know that after I found out you were going to be working there and be, <laughs> I'd be like, what did I say? And then I'd be like, oh God, why did I say that? Yeah. You know? So. And kind of, funny. of course we go on a, we go on a day in the week assuming that like there won't be a whole lot of people there and like the restaurant itself at noon yeah yeah, the restaurant itself was like slow because it's a tuesday at noon um but then every higher up in my brand was there and it was all the people that were at my like interview stage kind of thing so it's like literally the five people above me were all walking around that restaurant well it was funny because i was like are they gonna because at first when we sat down we were flipped and then i said switch me because my seat that i was originally going to be in would be staring kind of into the kitchen like Mm -hmm. on the line so i was like oh we should switch so you can just kind of watch that going on so we did but then when all these people started showing up and then they were having a meeting having a meeting in the booth in that direction (laughs) i'm like we should switch back but then i'm like then it's gonna be obvious um yeah, so he was like, wow, everybody's here. But I was like, maybe they won't recognize. So he kind of like kept his head down and had his like mm-hmm. hat on. Of yeah. course, the server went and told one person. Because yeah. they, since they the were in a meeting, the good what worked out for you is because they were in a meeting, she couldn't just run and tell the general manager. <laughs> yeah. She just told one person who's a supervisor mm-hmm. and he came over and introduced himself and said hi. But the other funny part, you're going to have to ask them <laughs> when you start. Do you want to tell the story? Go ahead. I'm sitting there talking to Tim and he like leans back. So these are like high top really high like metal metal chairs. Thin metal chairs, yeah. And I say something and Tim goes to kind of like lean back or like push back and then all of a sudden he starts to like go and I thought he was going to like take the table. <laughs> the two of the the two back legs like bent, bent. in. <laughs> and that was And like- I get it. It was because I was leaning back. And, like, I was leaning back to laugh and kind of, like, push myself away from the table. But and I was like, oh, my God. And this is before he told the girl, like, she found yeah. out who he was or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God. And he just broke a fucking chair. <laughs> and so he had to switch it with the other chair. And then I kept waiting for her to, like, ask, like, what the hell happened. And he mm-hmm. couldn't even turn it inside so he couldn't see it because then it would fall over. He had to, like, turn it around. So it's, like, facing outward. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, you did. And like, they just broke a chair. Now they know who you are. Let's get out of here. <laughs> we did leave really quickly. And on the way out, I got a call from our uh, regional chef um, <laughs> in the brand because he was walking around the restaurant. Um, and I didn't answer him. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I'll just talk to him when I go back. So when I went back to work two days later, he was like, you came in to eat and you didn't even say hi. And then I... Kind of like a hot, but he never said anything about the chair. Which is good. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, it is kind of funny, though, because the, the one supervisor that came up to Tim and introduced himself said that the general manager, he's like, she did the same thing before she started. Yeah, <laughs> so, before anybody like, knew good. who she was, yeah. she came in and ate, yeah. But I, I think it's a good way to get a lay of the land before mm-hmm. they're putting up. And and Tim noticed a couple things. So it's like, mm-hmm. and it's not that he's going to go in guns blazing and be like, what the fuck? But it's just something yeah. that now he can watch that station and be like, Make sure hmm. you're doing this, like, yeah. you know, or like whatever. So, definitely. Yeah. Good. Anyways. So, tomorrow will be lunch and list. A good day. Lunch. Random side story. Um, Arthur, my old sous chef, um, um, incredibly um, 
I'm trying to figure out how to like I always describe him like incredibly quirky older man. Um, they tried doing that at the hotel that we first worked together at, and they tried to do it where all the different department heads or managers or directors could um, choose what they wanted to teach, just kind of a little like half hour, 45 minute kind of lesson type thing. So then people on property could do a lunch and learn. And it was like you would, they would get lunch and then come to the place and like one of and lady- learn. And learn, and one of the ladies was like a like a really good dancer. So it's like she did like a dance thing, like teach you how to dance to blah blah blah. Well, oh, Arthur, that is not what I would be expecting. Arthur Dancing. did. I know, Arthur did, and it was once again, it was for the people that worked in the offices. You're not going to have housekeepers that are going to be like, let me go to this class for lunch. They got to go to work. Yeah, right? I know. You know it's, what I mean? it's the office people that have the time for this shit. Everybody else who's in actual operations. There is operations versus like admin type situation two different things oh yeah ops doesn't have time for the shit and then they always think that you're just not participating and you don't want to be included Mm. and you're poo-pooing and why aren't you participating because i have to do my fucking job do you want this to shut down do you want rooms clean do you want people to be fed yeah i don't have time to watch someone teach me how to dance yeah and if you go back to the hr office about 15 minutes late nobody's going to bat an eye I have, an, I have three events tonight. Those oh, 15 they're going to send that email a half hour later. But it's like you have parties to put out. You have people lining up. Like it's like, yeah. anyways, yeah. can you tell But this is the, a thing? Yeah. No shade on people that work in admin, but it's like ideas like this are just kind of um, like tone deaf it's, to what other people are, other people's jobs entail. Yeah, exactly. And you it's, see it a lot in hospitality. Like you said, admin versus ops. You see that a lot in hotels. I'm sure you saw that at the hospital. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And but, then, yeah, again, so this isn't targeting anybody who works in an office saying like, oh, my yeah. God. It's just saying there sometimes seems to be a lack of understanding. And the time it gets frustrating is when they poise it as somehow like you shitting on everything you're or you're not participating. What is wrong with you? And it's like, I could come participate. And then while I get in trouble for my job not getting done. <laughs> yeah. Our job doesn't stop. Yeah. The same way you can just not make an email for another half hour. Yeah. So my two points before we, when we get up, while we get off our soapbox, my two points were um, my sous chef Arthur did a lunch and learn about entertaining. And what it was, was it was, he brought platters from home and was just kind of showing them like easy things if they are going to entertain in their home. Like what's a way for you to present food differently that's really easy, things that you have in your house that would kind of zhuzh up how fancy it is. Or it was like um, ways that you can set a table just to look fancier, even though it doesn't take a lot of effort or money. Um, But Arthur being the, the quirky man that he is kept going lunch and learn and then he would go say it and then all all it was like an infomercial because then all the people that all the admin people that were there would go lunch and learn (laughs) he would too though lunch and learn say it well let me say if there's anything you're going to learn from it's arthur i think i said this during our christmas episode but when we went to his christmas party this year there was an action station to build your own stir fry (laughs) and have someone make it for you but above it all above all he had someone playing the piano Mm -hmm. christmas music on the piano and i'm like Arthur, man, I can't compete. Like, he's going to come. We, you know, we had to cancel our party. But this next year, I got to come up with something. I, I can't have someone play the piano. Uh, yeah. But, like, man, that man can entertain. Yes, he can. Lunch and learn. Say it. 
<laughs> you know what's so funny is my nieces have never met him, which is why I was so looking forward to the Christmas party. Yeah. Sorry, we're off on a tangent. But my nieces have never met him, and he is quoted in our family mm-hmm. like a legend. Like I, I realize that most people that have worked with Arthur um, start to say the things that he says, like just little things all day. So that's just part of my personality now. So in a kitchen, going into this training of four weeks in this place, I started saying certain things that were Arthurisms, and nobody there knows him, so they didn't know the background. So I would kind of explain a little bit when they would kind of look at me funny. I left with people talking like him, too. I know. The whole world talks like <laughs> Arthur. That whole our world. Because, okay, so, like, I had, a like, a party in the spring one year, and he came to it. And my nieces didn't come, but, like, two of my sisters did. And I, I'd made deviled eggs. And every time he every time he ate a deviled egg, and he'd pick it up and, like, turn it and look at it from all <laughs> he sides. He loves deviled eggs. And so whether it was him picking up a deviled egg or somebody else picking up a deviled egg, he would go, who does it? You do it. Do it. Who doesn't love a good deviled egg? (laughs) And he would just say it, not to anybody in particular, but he would just put that energy out there. And it was over and over again. Every time he had his, he was walking around. He had his arms behind his back. Someone have a deviled egg on their plate, and he'd be like, "Who doesn't (laughs) doesn't love a good deviled egg?" And then the other thing is, Tim and uh, Arthur go to a lot of games. So, like just last week, they went to a basketball game together. They used to go to a lot of hockey games. Mm. We're way on a tangent. We are on a tangent. We've missed, we've missed you guys. Um, but Tim and Arthur were going to a lot of Coyotes hockey games for a Mm -hmm. bit. Love and hockey. do you want to tell the so once again it, he doesn't change you what you see is what you get so we'd be at the games and it was always when he was like on his phone and like not per like super pertinently paying attention to what was going on but like whenever um the coyotes would like have a really big hit against the boards or he would hear everybody go ooh because like a play happened he would randomly yell get her <laughs> get stop her like he just kept yelling get her and stop her and then it started to spread into like other things and it would be the end of the game and he'd be like bite her <laughs> <laughs> So now my nieces who've never ever met him when they play video games, like they'll be like, get her, get her, bite her. Oh man. And yeah, then, that's... Remember his fabulous scarf? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we went to, um, where the coyotes used to play and they had like a mini team shop upstairs and there was a, um, giving you the lead here. Um, Arthur is an older, uh, gay man, um, who has all of these kind of like, he's fabulous. He's absolutely fabulous. Like old man. I love him. Um, so he went up there and he was trying to buy something for his sister because he lives with his sister. Um, so he was like, okay, I found this kind of thing. And I was like, Ooh, Arthur, look at this scarf. And it was a red scarf that had like a bedazzled coyotes logo on it. (laughs) And we had gone to the game with, uh, one of my brothers-in-law and we kept talking about that scarf and then we left. He didn't buy it, but he kept talking about it. I'm not going to go back and get that. Like he kept talking about wanting to go back. So my brother-in-law bought him that scarf. 
he was like, you know what? You keep talking about it. I'm going to buy it for you. So he bought it for him. And he wore it. And he put it on. And um, we're walking back to our seats. And you can tell that he's, like, feeling himself, right? (laughs) So this woman walks by and kind of, like, looks at him as she walks by him. And he goes, did you see that woman? She has scarf envy. (laughs) (laughs) And then the best part about that game was that the Coyotes went off in the second and third period so they ended up winning the game by like seven goals and at towards the you know they scored a couple they were up by like three and then they just kept scoring goals and at one point we would stand up and cheer and arthur would hold his scarf up and he would go it's the scarf (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like we went on about arthur for so long that maybe in show notes we should say that from this time to this time we talked (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly we very in depth about our friend arthur <laughs> i'm gonna post a couple pictures of me and arthur from sporting events there's the I one love in the that scarf. So the one much. in the scarf we have to oh, like man. absolutely so you I... can understand the scarf envy that that woman had <laughs> but just like i can't see a devil who doesn't love a good devil egg? and we're always just saying bite her yep and we really arthur and i realized that after the lunch and learn thing we would whenever we would say certain things i would go say it <laughs> That had nothing to do with lunch and learn, so that became part of our vernacular as well. So, he is um, great. I absolutely adore that man. Yes, and he loves Mildred, and he's so sweet to us, and he yep. he sends me random random messages. Hey, hi, how are you? How's your fabulous home? <laughs> yeah. So, shout out to Arthur. We love you, buddy. But all right, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back with uh, the deep dive. <laughs> So we're coming back for the deep dive, but you may have noticed a little, a little jingle, a little transition music there, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's because a listener named Rebecca, thank you, Rebecca, she emailed, she composed like several different little things for us, little transitions. Little like transition jingles, yeah. Yeah. Um, she sent five. Both of us, it was funny, we both, our favorite of the five was the one we played. Mm-hmm. Um, we might throw in the other ones at different points mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, I really appreciate that she took the time to compose for us and make some little things. But I just want to read you one thing that Rebecca said. At the end of her email, when she sent them, she said, I used the melodica sound because it felt as goofy and backward-esque as the Duggars. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was really funny. So thank you, Rebecca, for your little transitional music. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Okay, so we're going to actually get into this. We're going to dive now for the first time Ooh. in a long time. Three weeks off, but then two weeks before that without a dive. Well, I mean, you guys saw how exhausted Mildred was. Oh, if you were on Instagram, she has to ease her way back into this amount of work. She was tuckered out. She was. And I'm tuckered out, too. But I am, I'm taking a different approach now. We're going to see mm-hmm. how it goes. I'm yeah. trying um, taking all of my notes, which I always did before. And mm-hmm. then to, when I put them back together... I still hand wrote them. I'm very tactile. Like it's hard. I hate typing. Like I, I, if I had to choose typing or writing for this, I would still choose writing, Mm -hmm. but I decided to try doing like dictation, which is nice because I can pace around the house and kind of talk into my phone and then just kind of do edits later. Mm -hmm. So we're trying this out. Yep. Okay. So for today's deep dive is about the original scandal with an IBLP. Um, at the point that I'm talking about, it was still basic 
youth conflicts, but for... Well, I'm just going to be saying IBLP for ease, okay? Okay. But at the point in time, all the way back in 1980, it was um, youth conflicts. So this scandal involves Bill Gothard's brother, Steve, who served as vice president of IBLP at the time. And the scandal involves his sexual affairs with several secretaries. Okay. So when news broke of these sexual affairs... Bill Gothard, of course, tried to act like this was all new information to him (laughs) and that it was, you know, being like swiftly taken care of. At one point, he was quoted as saying, quote, I must report that there has been some serious failure within our staff. My brother, Steve, who is in a leadership position, has confessed to deception and fornication with several women. Those involved have acknowledged their personal responsibility, have submitted to scriptural discipline, and have been dismissed from the staff as a step toward restoration. So the vibe of this is very much like we got this handled, right? Of course. But today we will be diving into what actually took place and how it was handled or like mishandled. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, mishandled actually. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why you dive. Yeah. on it <laughs> yeah it was just so well taken care of yeah. you, know, you know as in most of the things that they have to take care of exactly i'm also very confused by the term scriptural what was it scriptural um, discipline? discipline yes see in my head it's like the oh we've we've done that and they try to push it as the we're make, gonna make you do a lot of studying but it's just when you hit somebody with the bible yeah you know yeah, that's exactly. scriptural discipline yep, yep, yep. we smacked them real hard <laughs> with the bible <laughs> So my main sources for today's um, deep dive are chapter one of the book, A Matter of Basic Principles, Bill Gothard in the Christian Life, as well as information from the website Recovering Grace. So both of these sources, they had really great timelines of all the events, but they both kind of had varying details at times. So putting them together Mm -hmm. was really good. Okay. Um, In the future... Both of those things will be deep dives of their own, just Damn. FYI. The book will be used as a resource for several other deep dives about specific topics, but it will most likely be its own separate deep dive mm-hmm. discussing the authors and how the book came to be. And then th- the website as well will also be its own future deep dive. Okay. So I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, I'm also using a few articles from the time that we're back from when this actually took place in 1980 mm-hmm. from the Los Angeles Times, the Chicago Sun-Times, and Christianity Today. Okay. So getting started, we have to take you back four years to January of 1976. A young secretary approached an IBLP executive and informed him of a sexual relationship that had been taking place between her and Steve over an extended period of time. But she wasn't merely confessing to sexual sin or anything. Okay. But rather, she was looking for help to put an end to it, as she said that he wouldn't leave her alone. So it sounds like harassment at this point. Correct. So this executive then relayed the information to Bill Gothard. Bill then sets up a meeting between just himself and the secretary. And rather than taking any real action... Or, you know, 
like really expressing actual interest in it. Mm. He he just seemed to become angry that she had had gone to somebody else rather than him first. Which of course, um, because yeah, it's like the more people that know about it, the less control he has over the situation. So that's the, what he's pissed about. And the more potential accountability that he's going to have in this situation. Yep. So he's just mad that somebody knows other than him. Mm-hmm. So then in the next month, in February, that's when things start to really ramp up. At a singles retreat being held on Valentine's Day, a confession meeting was held, which is weird in itself, but it sounds like this is a common thing. Okay. Um, it was during this meeting that both Bill and his brother Steve confessed to defrauding secretaries. But this is definitely one of those times where it's very purposely vague and we know that some of the simplest things can be considered defrauding by IBLP standards so in this case it really works to their benefit where people can possibly interpret it as being something minor correct it's kind of the same way that like that guy Justin that did the podcast that was friends with Josh yeah that there he was like every time that something happened he's like i thought maybe he made out with the girl or like touched a girl you know it's just there's so yeah. many possibilities and i don't think a lot of people's brains necessarily jump to the other end mm-hmm. especially like younger younger people you know what yeah. i mean so also in february a different secretary ended up making a confession to a staff member's wife that she too had had sexual relations with steve okay turning the page So, what is Bill's answer to these two secretaries coming forward? It's to send Steve away to their Northwoods Retreat Center in Michigan. Sound familiar? Because that's going to help. Yeah. (laughs) Send the problem away, just like Lego sent away pests. Mm -hmm. So, this property in Michigan, just to give you just a rough idea, it has an airplane strip, and it has a retreat center that has... It can, like... I think I read somewhere that it can seat up to like 300 people for like conference type settings. Okay. But it has 12 bedroom lodges, a bowling alley, a screening room, and then access to water skiing. And then in the area, like right next to it, he has his very own little cabin. And then Bill had his own cabin too. So it's creeper summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not suffering in exile <laughs> by any means. But yes. He's not growing as a human being. No, he's sent away to have his own private bowling alley, and you yeah. know, he's not suffering. Because nothing says, you know, he, learning that your actions have consequences, like getting sent somewhere that has a private screening room, and, water skiing, and access to water skiing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Not too much time passes before Bill just proclaims that Steve has been healed. Surprise, surprise. also sounds eerily familiar. (laughs) So what does he do now that uh, Steve has been deemed better? He begins sending staff up to Northwoods Northwoods, to work with Steve, including young secretaries. Great. Just what we need. Exactly. So two IBLP staff members, one of which um, his wife was the person that that second secretary confessed to Mm -hmm. they end up traveling to the retreat center up in michigan to confront both bill and steve 
They end up expressing their concerns on how the situation is being handled and offer suggestions on how it can be handled biblically. (laughs) I specifically put that because I'm like, what is like, I want to know what they're biblically, uh, you know, but it's funny. More hitting with Bibles. What was it? Scripture discipline? Scriptural discipline. So now we've got biblical, you know, handling. So Bill, not surprisingly, um, he shuts them down. He informs them that everything is fine and that Steve would, quote, continue his writing and work on character sketchbooks in the area of becoming a servant because that is what he needs most. So someday when I actually cover the character sketchbooks for a deep dive, I think it'll be really comical knowing that they were being written by his brother during this time period. Okay. (laughs) He just sends them off and goes, "Uh, work on this. Yeah. On, you know, character. Have the have the guy that's, you know, <laughs> harassing women sexually and mm-hmm. uh, manipulating. You know, just go work on character. Yeah. You're the person to do this. You know what? Get a little water skiing in, you know, maybe bowls, 10 frames. Sketch a little like character it. on the side. We're yeah. good. Yeah. So in a nutshell, Bill shuts them down and kind of shoes them away. As much as Bill is trying to sweep this all under the rug and keep it from coming out. Gradually, it makes its way through the staff and, like, the whispering begins. Okay. Being afraid that it would leak out further and possibly into the public, Bill sets up a staff meeting on March 25th of 1976. Mm-hmm. It's at this meeting that Bill then does some of his, some of his very on-brand on scripture cherry-picking and twisting for his own benefit okay. by referencing Matthew 18. Now, I don't know exactly what he said in that meeting, but all accounts just say that he spoke about Matthew 18, but I kind of scoured some more popular verses from it, and I think it's very likely that the verse that he used the most from Matthew to twist was this one, quote, if your brother sins against you, go and tell them his fault between you and him alone, because I feel like that verse makes the most sense that he could twist that in a way to like silence staffers because just to add to the intimidation factor he also passed around like a giant poster sized contract for them all to sign fantastic promising to never give ill report but to only say good things about other people so i'm I not think mad that this creeper did things to you i'm mad that you're you talking told about, about it, it. yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So that's why I really think that that verse is very plausible. (laughs) Not going to lie. Any organization you belong to, specifically one that you work for, uh, if they pull out a poster-sized contract for you to sign, it's probably not going to be good. Red flag. Yeah. Um, So then he also says that anything talked about is to be considered gossip. I mean, which I just love being able to deem truth gossip because you just don't like it. So of course, love, love it, love to hear it. Uh, yep. Just a few weeks later, in another staff meeting, he specifically stated that nothing regarding the situation with Steve was ever to be discussed again. Of course not. So staffers continue to express concern for how everything with Steve was being handled. And Bill would often tell them to give him time, like repeatedly, just like, I need more time. I need more time. And sometimes he literally told them that they needed to get off his back. Wow. Touchy, huh? A little bit. 
<laughs> Looks like both brothers are touchy. <laughs> oh, boom, boom, but not real. So one of Bill's other strategies for dealing with Steve was one that we are all too familiar with, unfortunately. Uh. He met with the parents of one of the girls and tried to convince them to let Steve marry her, their daughter. Um, but luckily for that girl, they said no. Mm. It's so odd to hear parents act in a logical way on this podcast. <laughs> well, it's like this is exactly the Esther Keller, John Trader situation. Mm-hmm. A man is sinning sexually. So it's like, quick, quick, let's hurry and marry him off. Yep. And Esther was not as lucky, though, because Pa Keller is her father. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if Pess hadn't been so young when he first perpetrated, I'm sure Lego would have done the same. Oh, yeah. But he was like, what, 14 or something? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm convinced. So that's, to me, the only reason why he waited till 20 to get married. Because they didn't feel, they thought everything was fine in those years. They thought it was handled. Everything was fine. It's not a dire situation. But if he had been... A little bit older. The exa- it would have gone the exact same way. Absolutely. So this is only the beginning, though. Remember, we're still we're kind of still in 76, 77. And the scandal didn't fully break until 1980. Okay. So that's because, um, in a surprise to absolutely no one with the capability to rub two brain cells together, simply sending Steve away and proclaiming him healed didn't work. Didn't fix the problem. I just did a Macaulay Culkin put both of my hands on my cheeks. Because I'm so surprised. In fact, things only escalated. Largely in part to Bill sending a parade of young secretaries to work with him up at this secluded retreat center. So now he can be a creeper up while he's bullied. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. The thing that goes through my head through a lot of these is... You ready for another reference? Iago from Aladdin. Why am I not surprised? Look at me. I'm dying from not surprise. I'm I'm dying from not surprise. Not surprise. (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. Iago had his number. He's got it. So now we're going to get into the types of things that were happening during those four years. That 76 to 80... Mm-hmm. before it really broke. So Steve began having his assistant acquire R-rated, but also pornography movies, and also pornography for him. Wow. And then reimbursed him using Institute funds. He would often watch them in the retreat screening room with that assistant. His assistant was male. Mm-hmm. And then other times he had... What, you know the women also with him to watch it which i have to say the idea that he like had his male assistant was like hey come here let's watch this skin flick that's, yeah, it's I know. so weird what you just want to sit next to another guy and watch that together like mm, isn't this good like what would yeah, you what talk you, about yeah, what is happening in that screening <laughs> like are you guys sitting next to each other are you sitting out <laughs> opposite ends right like what is happening how dark is it like i have a lot do you avoid eye contact i have a lot of questions is there like a communal tissue box (laughs) like what is happening do you hear them unbuckling like it's weird the whole idea is weird yes Uh, like the girls it's like he's uh, i get it a little more (laughs) but it's like 
should just sit there next to a guy and be like, let's watch this together. It's weird. So on so that's just the first thing. Ugh, um God, then he be- Yeah. He began having what they described as overlapping sexual relationships with at least we come to find out the number later, but um, with several women. At one point, it appeared one was even living with him in his little cabin. Oh, jeez. The, the next part that is, you know, scandalous. Michelle's clutching her statement necklace somewhere. <laughs> Apparently, he engaged in acts that by most church standards are considered unnatural. So we can assume what they're referring to. I was trying to make a joke and my my mind went blank. It's okay. You don't need to. It's fine. <laughs> I was going to make some joke about something like completely, completely like not a bad thing, but something that they consider unnatural. <laughs> pineapple on pizza. Something. There you you know, need something dumb. Oh, pineapple. <laughs> but pineapples also have their own situation oh, yeah, no going kidding. on. Um, see, so he, of course, he swore these women to secrecy. But he took it even further than that. It's like, I feel like you kind of expect that. Okay. But he took it further by telling them that, you know, even if you get married, this doesn't have to end. <laughs> so he's basically trying to set it up that he'll, you know, they can do this forever. It doesn't matter yeah. if you married somebody else. Yeah. They can continue this in secret. Oh, my God. Seemingly the most minor thing at this point is the fact that he's being a gigantic hypocritical you know, literally not practicing what he preaches. Yeah. But that's like the least of the problems at this point, right? Because <laughs> then we have these whole, this, all these other factors. We have this older man in a leadership position preying on young women. Mm-hmm. Then there's the fact that this is all happening amongst a religious backdrop, which yeah. to me, like just in my personal opinion, I feel like it makes it even harder for these women to handle and try to you know like yeah. navigate all of this because mm-hmm. they're even more likely to keep quiet because yeah. of the shame and judgment involved correct it's hard enough being a victim and then this power imbalance and then it's yeah. like oh and now it's directly happening in this religious backdrop where i'm here for a job right <laughs> like for it's weird and when you said that not only is he preying on women but he's also preying on women that was mm-hmm. the joke yeah there you go what a creeper man yeah, fucking, god yep. it's awful is if all of this isn't bad enough it gets worse there's also this really creepy man, i mean the whole thing's manipulative so it's like of course but there's this psychological abuse aspect to all of this okay he had really specific tactics to gaining the women's trust grooming if you will that's usually you know like yeah. the word but so like he would pick out a girl and then he would purposely ignore her very blatantly amongst all the other staffers, basically to get in her head and make her insecure. And then they were looking for affirmation. Yep. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, after a while of this very blatant mistreatment or, you know, just being ignored, it would and usually end up resulting in the women having some sort of emotional breakdown. And then oh, they course. would talk to him. And then he would really quickly switch roles to that of like a caring an attentive, you know, like counseling her type yeah. role. He would get her to divulge like her insecurities, both just like herself, but very specifically about her mm-hmm. body. And then he would act as if he was, you know, putting her at ease 
and making suggestions of how she could dress, which are, of course, how he wanted her to dress. Right. And several of the girls reported that he wanted them to start wearing push-up bras and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore you, and then I'm going to get you to wear the push-up bra and the right. shorter skirt and, you know. Which men's manual do they teach you how to do all this in, you know? He probably wrote the manual. <laughs> That's what, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think a thing to keep in mind, too, is I, I think from, like, my just, just personal experience, I think you look back at eras like, like the 60s you look at like mad men and the dynamic between women that came in and were working as you know secretaries kind of for kind of these business professionals um and then you look at the 60s as more of kind of like a civil rights movement and women's rights movement you see all these things were like attitudes were changing and then the 70s is kind of this weird stuck in the middle era where as much as i think we would like to think that it was very progressive things were still stuck and they're still stuck in a lot of ways now very much so but i i think you're i think it's hard when you didn't live through them to look back and be like oh no in the 70s there was a lot of good like social change coming or like happening but you're like oh no it was still very much an era of of this where like that was a an entry-level position for a woman into an organization. It's a man's world. Yep. And she's lucky to be there. Correct. And she's going to get treated however they want to treat her. Correct. And then you just add religion on top of it, and it's just even worse. Yep. Yep. Uh, Another really important factor that I think we have to take into consideration that I feel just like paints the picture is beyond this power imbalance and the religious aspect is the isolation. Mm -hmm. So not only are these women away from their family who probably had sheltered upbringings let's let's or you know we're coming from a situation you know (laughs) um they're away from their families but they're in this deep isolation Mm -hmm. because the retreat center is along the peninsula in relative seclusion right Mm -hmm. so he even went as far as to purposely exclude the women from trips into town like in going out to dinner when all the other staffers were allowed to attend so he's a real piece of shit, and he pay- played a lot of mind games along with it, too. Yep. So this is, I mean, I, the consensual aspect of it goes any, it's all out the window. Oh, like, yeah. this is total manipulation. This is mm-hmm. total grooming. This is total abuse. Yep. Yep. And through all this, as much as Bill would years later try to act like this was just all a surprise to him, he knew exactly what was going on. And staffers mentioned how it was regular. It was just a regular occurrence to have Bill watch as Steve would take women back to his room. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't. And I can't remember the exact um, context of it, but somebody said some like said something to him one time to Bill, being like, "Oh, and so and so about this girl." And he like Bill was like, "Not her too." Like he he very much yeah knew what was going on yeah. Um, part of it. I imagine the reason for Bill keeping quiet besides, you know, being a piece of shit um, in general is that he kind of had his own things to keep secret. Ooh. So while all the women that have come forward and reported about this time period, they've all reported that no actual sexual acts took place. But there was no shortage of like creepy inappropriateness. Okay. 
apparently Bill would often have women sit, sit in his lap. He would make suggestions on how they could dress in a way that he liked. And uh, sometimes, I guess he literally even said, go talk to my brother. Because he thought, like, oh, he's good at that. So he thought, you know, Steve had a good eye for, like, fashion. And then Steve would tell the girls how to dress, basically for both of them. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so get him to dress how he liked. And he had this unusual, and I'm being generous, <laughs> um, habit of bursting into women's rooms at night while they were getting ready for bed to ask for a good night hug. Oh, that, Lord. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, like, it became such a thing that they start, like, girls would, like, tell each other, like, lock your door at night. Oh, my God. Because it was such a known, like, he's going to try this. Oh, Man. Um, <laughs> just so fucking creepy, McCreeperton. In fact, even one time, a staffer happened to walk in on a young woman in a sheer nightdress sitting on Bill's lap. And then after this uh, happened, the staffer ended up being treated so badly by Bill and Steve that they resigned. Of course. You found out the secret. Yep. Okay, so that's really all that initially came out about Bill during this time period, but it definitely paints a picture for his own creeper status that will be discussed further in the future, but that's just what we know for this time. Okay. So those are the types of things that were going on up at Northwoods after those initial two secretaries came forward. Now let's get into how all of this ended up coming to light. So... There are two major people in this game that we can credit for getting this all out there. Okay. The first being a young artist that worked for IBLP named John, who during this time period, he was assigned to work with Steve on those character sketchbooks. Okay. So that's his art. For three years, he had to sit there and he watched Steve's behavior unfold. And he was just like nothing. He just kept watching seeing nothing being done about it. Of course. John, later down the road, when it breaks, told the Los Angeles Times, quote, oh, that he was disgusted by, quote, Steve's sexual domination over the secretaries and Bill's avoidance of the problem. He also told the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, Steve had an obsession for things. Bill had an obsession for power. Hmm. Which I think is a great quote. Uh, Very telling and very accurate and like very concise. Mm -hmm. But very good way to describe the situation. Yeah. I don't think that Bill's not a creeper, but I do think that he probably is more about the overall power. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man, this is like... And it keeps going. (sighs) This is going to be a long one, by the way, guys. That our, Our... recap was long we talked about arthur forever and then this is a long deep dive but i wanted to start the season off with the banger uh deep dive Jeez. <laughs> so in january of 1980 john had had enough of like steve's bullshit basically and he just started asking around like more openly just mm-hmm. asking around to staffers like what do you know what have you seen he just starts getting chatty about it and steve found out about this and of course he encourages john to leave so he doesn't want to fire him, but he's of just course. like, can you get out of here is what yeah. he's trying to do. He's trying to push just him out. a suggestion. Yep. But before John leaves, he makes a point to tell everything he knew over the course of these three years mm-hmm. to one of the I- IBLP aides that had previously worked really closely with Bill 
and was now working over at Northwoods with Steve. Uh, and this was his like last ditch effort as an attempt to have something finally be done about the situation. Okay. So he's like, I might be leaving, but I'm going to spill my guts and hope for the best. This is the point where the torch is kind of passed. And this aide by the name of Tony, he becomes this the real big catalyst to all of this. Okay. So Tony spends the next several months interviewing victims and other staffers. So not just the ones they knew about, but he, mm-hmm. like, people that had worked there previously and weren't there anymore. Like, he went deep, like, mm-hmm. to just cover all kinds of people. So he's actually able to gather the information pretty easily because he has such a... He's because really, there's so many of them. <laughs> he's really well regarded. Okay. So people opened up to him pretty yeah. pretty well. And basically, he said that the women expressed eagerness for him to help okay. get out of the situation, which he later called, quote, the slavery they were involved in. Yeesh. So after a few months of gathering all the information and getting all of his ducks in a row, Tony schedules a meeting with Steve on April 14th of 1980 along with a few other men, uh, to confront him with the evidence that he has. Over the course of 10 hours, Steve just sings like a bird. He confesses. Wow. Um, to pretty much what at the time they think it's everything, he actually only confesses to having sex with five women. Uh, it's later revealed to be seven. Okay. At the end of all of this, it turns out that there's about 15 that he did things with, but it was it's okay. like seven that he had sex with. But yeah, they're like, God. he pretty much sings and they say that at the time they felt like he was showing like wanting help and stuff like that, which I don't know if that's true, but that's mm-hmm. what they wrote in their notes is like he showed genuine, this is their words, he showed genuine um want a need for help and like was like yes i want to do something it's what they're saying okay um who knows but also but i do i'm just gonna say for the benefit of the doubt say that's true and he really does want help with this that's what happens when people who have a problem don't get checked who even even the ones that want help someone has to help them (laughs) like yeah like they need or they they have to be shown consequences like you can't just not give them consequences because they need consequences where they whether they want help or not Mm -hmm. so if someone genuinely does want it you're not helping them out by not giving them any kind of yeah consequences or resources or tools or you know you're enabling them and then being like maybe they'll maybe they'll turn it around here in a minute it's like you're not you're not doing anything to get to that point. Not saying it's exactly the same, but to me, I think of it as almost the idea of like sometimes when criminals are relieved when they mm-hmm. confess, you know, to a crime because they're yeah. just like, oh, okay. Like, I wonder if it's kind of that where it's like, finally, okay, yeah, this is what's happening. Like, yeah. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm just speculating at this point. Yeah. And I think it's even harder because I know some personal people that were in relationships with somebody who was like, abusing certain substances i don't know why that was so hard to say right there substances um and the attitude that they had was they were like if i if i just help them and 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 get them a little bit they'll 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 turn it around they'll turn it around and it was like you'll never get out of that cycle yeah and they never did you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's that same idea and that's coming from a place where the enabler is somebody who wants to see change in them and cares about them 
This is coming from a place where the guy was just interested in keeping the power that he had. Exactly. So that makes it even worse Mm because it's like you were enabling him without even really wanting any better for him. At all. You just wanted to keep the power that you had. Yep, and you you just don't want it to get out there and Mm -hmm. tarnish you. Yep. Or draw attention to what you're doing. Yep. So we have no way of knowing whether he genuinely was remorseful or wanted to change or wanted help. We have no way to know for sure. But but we can say with complete fact, doing nothing doesn't help either way. <laughs> like Crazy. I said, like that Simpsons reference from a long time ago. Yeah. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Pretty much. Bill's like, I just need more time. <laughs> All right, so Bill actually knew that this meeting took place, and Tony and the other men that conducted the meeting with Steve tried several times over the next, like, week or so to get Bill to meet with them to discuss how to handle the situation. Of course. And Bill cancels, you know, he says, yeah, 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 but then ends up, like, canceling five times. (laughs) Obviously, yet again, complete avoidance is his, you know, it's the name of the game with him. Oh, yeah. He does finally meet up with them. But they are instructed to keep this information to themselves and not to inform the IBLP board of any of this. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Lots more meeting. I like, there's so much detail and I'm, it was, there was a lot to cut and I had to cut like to get to like, there's a lot of fat to cut. Mm -hmm. But basically lots more meetings takes place. Lots more, not, nothing really happening on Bill's side. Yeah. Yeah. Lots more of that. Um, but then Bill does finally accept the fact that their family has to know what's going on. Okay. I'm sure only because he knows it'll eventually get out. Yeah. His dad, uh, by the way, Bill Gothard Sr., is on the board. Oh, okay. So he knows that, like, yeah, it's not even like I can just have my family off to the side. Mm-hmm. If it's some, if it's going to be discussed with the board in any kind of way, there's mm-hmm. his dad, so we might as well go to them in his head. It's like, okay, the only reason he's going to his family as family first is because they're going to be come to as a part of the business, basically. Mm-hmm. So, well, now I'm going to go tell the family. It's all about controlling the narrative. If yep. I get there first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so this all happens on May 12th that Steve confesses everything to the family. Okay. So then finally, on May 13th, just one month shy of Steve's uh, uh, initial confession, the IBLP board is finally notified of everything that's been going on. Want to hear what the board decides to do with Steve? Oh, God. It's a good one. Are they going to send him to a different summer camp? That Maybe that has more like badminton instead of bowling? Are you ready? Oh, God. Send him to California on a leave of absence. (laughs) So let's just go on the other, you know, let's just go to the coast on, you know, the other side of the country. Just have a summer in California. Well, they did something different. They're doing something. God, you're so judgy. Something. Yeah. You know. better than nothing. Yeah, they sent him to, they sent him to summer camp one time and then they sent him to the beach. Yeah. It's different. I mean, it's two different things that they tried. It's true. I mean, it's not, it's not not true, you know. And I specifically said not, not, because I feel like yeah. that's something that they would say. They'd be like, well, it's not, you know. It's, it's not, like, n- untrue. Exactly. <laughs> so, now they're right back to where they were back in 1976. You're going to see so much repetition. The, the patterns uh, are so, it's, it's, 
mind-boggling how much they just do the same thing over and over we just saw this we so we're already seeing this pattern of like oh that's what they did with pest and oh that's what they did with john and you know the um esther and then now we're just seeing them repeat four years later it's like a copy and paste situation it's yeah okay so once again there's lots of whispering going on amongst the staff okay they know that something's up yeah so just like before bill calls a special staff meeting the next day on the 14th so bill had this idea in his head of how he thought this meeting was going to go right of course he has this you know he 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 just thinks that he has such control over everything and he does have control but like he really Mm -hmm. thinks he has control of everything so he thought you know he's just gonna there's going to be a short vague confession by steve and one of the young women mm-hmm. and then there's going to be like a special communion service afterwards <laughs> i'll say some scripture uh he'll he'll pretend like he's sorry bing bang boom we all read from the bible and then we get to leave and then we go water skiing yep, yep. <laughs> and we go to the pub until this all blows over yep. oh no that's that's Shaun of the dead and then we <laughs> go to church until this all blows over <laughs> yep so, but this meeting, it goes completely off the rails. It ends up going on for like three and a half hours. Oh, God. It, it, the whole thing pisses them off because the staff are upset and they're not satisfied with this like vague explanation. And, oh, you know, how dare they? They begin asking questions. Oh, man. While, of course, not getting any real answers out of, you know, and they have no, they know something's up, but mm-hmm. they have no idea the severity of the situation. <sighs> man so bill ends the meeting early because he's pissed he's throwing a tantrum and they never got to the special communion damn that's the real victim of this entire (laughs) so after the meeting um like the giant ass hat that he is steve openly expresses his excitement for his upcoming vacation to california to the staffers that were just in this meeting listening to him and his confession He's just, he's like, why well, get vacation? He, and he, he even like said like, oh, the board uh, approved a vacation for me. And it's like, oh, shut the wow. fuck up, dude, man. Like they're so. I mean, that's kind of the challenge of when you, when you exist in a bubble where you have such control and power and when it's built into a dynamic where people aren't supposed to talk about your dirty laundry and they're not supposed to complain about anything that you do and there's all these things where it's like you're in such a cocoon Mm -hmm. that when there's finally some semblance of consequence they're like completely tone deaf but also like flabbergasted yeah you know what i mean like what is this consequences for the shitty decisions that i've made like that's there's just no think about how long that that man existed in a power system where he had no consequences. Yeah. And Every even time- then he's not dealing with serious consequences, but even when there's any semblance it's just like, oh, but when I have to do that they'll send me to to yeah, California. Yeah. He to confesses and I say that with air quotes. <laughs> he confesses and he gets sent off to another place to abuse people. Right. In isolation with mm-hmm. the uh, a beautiful backdrop and, you know, <laughs> activities yeah. and then he confesses with air quotes again and then he gets sent to fucking california he's like confession ain't bad he's like <laughs> yeah. I, he's like i don't mind confessing i confess I, things all day i'm real remorseful can't you tell <laughs> okay so after the initial breaking of the news 
a deeper investigation ensues, this time including the board of directors, and a series of more confession meetings take place. In these confession meetings, because they did them with like staff, there's like there's different ones. There's ones that include all the staff, and there's mm-hmm. ones that just like is kind of with the board and like more select people. But uh, two more women came forward confirming that Steve's original confession was incomplete. So that's when I was saying that like they thought, oh, he just confessed everything. He said mm-hmm. five. It's actually seven, plus other ones that he did other things with. But seven confirmed like intercourse. Mm-hmm. Also completely unsurprising to any of us, the women were pretty much regarded to be at the same level of fault as Steve in the way that things were like handled and kind of worded. So basically they were viewed as complicit rather than the victims that mm-hmm. they actually were. These confessions and meetings and um, investigations, some of them included Bill. Because they were trying to determine how much he knew and for how long. But, you know, this is new for him. He didn't know. Oh, yeah. But he did end up admitting to knowing details four years prior. However, he would later backtrack on this and say that, um, no, he didn't know the full details of the immorality. So he'd be like, well, I didn't know. No, I didn't know. But basically, he started saying, like, well, I didn't know they had sex. Like, oh, they might have done this, but I didn't know that they did that. But then at other points, he would say, well, I knew that Steve had had sex in college. But so it's like he, his story was constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's what's happening in these investigations with the board. But even separately, people were saying that, like, the staff, like, this all threw the staff for a loop. Like, they were just, like, it was, like, it caused complete dip in morale, as you would Mm -hmm. imagine. Everything's kind of tense. And even just with the staffers about even anything, didn't even have to be about this particularly. At this point in time, they said he just would completely deny things that he said before. He would say one thing and then later on. So, no, I didn't say that like I just read. But even Mm -hmm. just to basic operational things. And the staff got super... They were getting so frustrated that they made they were walking around with notebooks and writing down things that he said. And that when I read that, I fucking died laughing because I had a boss I had to do that with mm-hmm. where I was like, I remember having to. I'm, And so this is their boss. And so I'm like, I remember that. And yeah. we're not. <laughs> I remember working for a person like that where you're like, you fucking asshole. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. So then you have to be like, here's my notebook. You said on this day at the <laughs> at this time, this is what we discussed. And it's sad when you have to hit that point. Yeah. And before the before I left the place that I left, I was kind of reaching that point. Yeah. I was reaching that point where I remember talking to Whitney on the phone from my office and her telling me, do you remember with, insert boss's name, do you remember with him that I had to do that? Like, And I told my regional like chef at the time that story. And he was like, that might not be a bad idea. when you hit that point it's it's Mm -hmm. bad it's because you're working with someone that is has an ego Mm -hmm. or is narcissistic and they're they're in a position of power yeah and they just have never been checked so they Mm -hmm. think that they can just no i never said that yeah and they assume that people would just go okay boss yep it was also during these um investigations and meetings with him that his his own creepy mccreeperton stuff This is when that came out. It all started to come out. Yep. Another interesting thing worth pointing out 
is Bill confesses to having a 14-year addiction to masturbation. Hmm. Now, with a regular person admitting this, it's not nearly as scandalous. <laughs> but when you're Bill Gothard, who actively preaches and rails against it as, like, mm-hmm. the ultimate sin. Of course. It's definitely noteworthy. Um, so the only part, though, I'm not entirely clear on is whether this information ever kind of leaked out past this investigation where it was with the board and stuff. Okay. I don't know if the staff ever. I'm thinking they didn't, but I can't say for sure. But I don't know if this was, like investigative stuff that made right you know made it past Mm -hmm. the board love that we get to hear it now though (laughs) and he i guess he said like 13 14 years i'm like oh did you think shaving off a year made it sound less bad (laughs) is it like when when cop asks when a cop asks you how many drinks you've had they know that when you say that you've had two it means that you've had six is that like him yeah, yeah. where it's like, you know, he admitted to 13, which means it was actually like 19. Exactly. It's like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like 13, maybe 14. We're like 20, 25 yeah. years of uh, jerking it off all the time. Got it. Yeah. The medical field is the same whenever somebody comes in and they're like, okay, how, how many, many drinks? drinks have you had? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I've only had one. And it's like, okay, they've had four. Well, they're like, how many drinks in a, in a week? And you're like, oh, two, two a month. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I have a glass of port at Christmas. I mean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now here's a good little story that I really love. <laughs> oh, damn. After Bill made these confessions, um, he started to get really uncomfortable. And he, he didn't really like, uh, he didn't want to continue answering questions. Surprise, surprise. Exactly. So he attempted to deflect as much as possible. He pointed this deflection at Tony, that aide that was the major catalyst behind getting this initial investigation started. Because it's his fault. So this next part is where I think this guy is a total fucking badass. And I think I think we need to start. I'm legit when I say this. I think we okay. should start a podcast hall of fame. <laughs> okay. Where we have. In, I think that I would like to induct him. Alice definitely is an inductee. She should be mm-hmm. inducted. Alice was an OG. I think it should be like Duggar people and then just like people would come across and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many there will be. But at this point, I definitely think Alice, definitely think him. And I think maybe we should give the artist because he really got the ball rolling, you know. But. okay, so this guy. In an attempt to take the heat off himself, Bill begins to accuse Tony of using Institute funds. Okay. So he's saying, I, you know, for this inv- investigation, he had to, you had to have been using like money, time, and resources of the institute to conduct these interviews. Okay. So he's coming at him in his de- full deflection mode, pretty much accusing him of stealing and misappropriation of funds. Right. But like I said, this guy is a total fucking badass, and he came prepared. He said, <laughs> "Quote, Bill." I realized that someday you just might ask me that question and charge me as you have just now. He then pulled out a large envelope of receipts. Damn. Homeboy literally brought the receipts. (laughs) Then he says, and I quote, Bill, I am sorry to disappoint you. I love the repeated use of his name, by the way. I feel like it's a power move. <laughs> oh, you know yeah, what I that's mean? such like that's, a... why, that's why I'm like, this guy's a badass. Like, there's, He's like fucking, like, it's power, man. Yep. 
Bill, I am sorry to disappoint you, but I have spent only my own personal money on all flights, hotels, meals, and rental cars. Wow. And here are all of my receipts to prove that statement. Which, like I told you, because he 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 dug far into this. It mm-hmm. wasn't just people currently there. So that's why the travel and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He took this all very seriously. After that, um, Bill had no more questions and nothing else to say to him. Wow. So, yep. He's a... He's a good in that. You one. know, there's a there's a dumb kind of like macho term where it's like if you're going to come at the king, you better come correct. Mm-hmm. Homie came he fucking, fucking correct. Came correct. <laughs> he had the fucking envelope of receipts. He fucking did it. Fucking power move. Incredible. <laughs> but ready for the cherry on top. So after Bill attempting to accuse Tony of misappropriation of funds and theft. This investigation that they're just doing in general, while they were, they're looking at, they weren't even really looking for anything else. Yeah. But, you know, as you're investigating, you dig up other things. Other things look suspect as you're looking. The investigation unveiled several accounts in which Bill and the entire Gothard family had been using Institute funds and resources for themselves. Oh. (laughs) Um, I'm not actually going to get into that deeper right now because the financials of IBLP will be a future deep dive on its own at some point. But there were like, it's like them using the planes for private stuff. It's them taking money to do things. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's it's the type of shit you would expect. Wow. But um, I just wanted to point that out because of the irony and the sweet, sweet satisfaction that our (laughs) homeboy, Tony, must have gotten out of that uh, unearthing. Nom, 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 nom. Delicious. Just feed it to to me in and around my mouth. It's so funny. Yeah, I do love that. So over the next month, I'm sorry, I'm going on forever. This is a long one. Over the next month, Bill Gothard is repeatedly urged to address this situation, like in writing a letter to like alumni and things. Mm-hmm. But he's completely resistant to it. He only does this later, way later down the line when things are about to hit the media or I can't remember if it's they're about to or if they already have. Okay. But it's basically, he only does this when finally he has no choice but to address it. <laughs> Go figure. We're all surprised. <laughs> So on June 11th, repeating the exact same pattern as he did back in 1976, Bill instructs the IBLP staff that they are to no longer speak with Tony or to each other about any problem within the Institute. Wow. Got to silence the people. Oh, yeah. And hey, since we're uh, we're already on the subject of repeated behaviors and patterns, I'm going to hit you with another real good one. Oh, man. Bill once again contacted the parents of some of the young women in an attempt to get Steve married off. Oh, my God. Because he the just the thought process that he was like, if he gets married, it'll fix everything. They all think it. It's mind-blowing. Why? Because then he's only going to be raping one woman? right that's i think that's honestly like the thought process it's like you know like well we always he's only he's only forcing himself on his wife so it's fine so it's better yeah yeah well it's like you think about i think we've all known couples that are really toxic together and then they have kids and you're like that's not gonna get the toxicity (laughs) to go away that just makes it worse yep you're just getting more people involved exactly but there's more to this time, This time, though. Oh, my God. He's not alone in this effort. This go around. 
In fact, it became an entire Gothard family mission. <laughs> Steve himself got into contact with three of the families. Wow. And then Bill Gothard Sr. and his wife, so their mom, they they took one of the girls' families out to dinner. Wow. Proposing the same idea. Probably with church funds. I, exactly. <laughs> no fucking joke. Uh, but once again, this proved unsuccessful as none of the families would agree to marriage. So a small round of applause for one time some IBLP parents coming through, you know? Man. They're not as thirsty as, as the Kellers. The, the Kellers fucking thirsty. Jeez, man. So on July 5th, a meeting was held with the board with Bill Gothard present. Okay. Our man, the man, Tony, presented in detail the entirety of his investigation on Bill Gothard. <laughs> this meeting started at 10 a.m. on Saturday, the 5th of July. Oh, my God. And it would went until 1 a.m. on Sunday, the 6th. Damn. It encroached into the Sabbath. That is the... Think of how long that meeting... So, how many hours is that? Thir- you, 12, well, you think hours? 10 to 10 Th- is going to be 12. 12, yeah. So, 13 three, hours. So, that's 15. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah I, sorry. I was doing 10. Wild. I can't do math right now. Sorry, guys. You did call him the man and the song by the killer. I think it's the killers. Who's the man on the man oh, yeah. on I'm the man, man on the man? That's his induction song. That should be because yes. that's what because in my head it was him walking into that room, like strutting and shit. Yep. Which, on a random side note, the the guy who wrote the song, the lead singer, literally wrote that because he was like younger in my career. I was such an arrogant asshole that he goes, I assumed that I could do absolutely no wrong. And he goes, so as much as I'm not that person anymore, he was like, that feeling of confidence is such a like a, a good feeling to have, even though it made him act shitty. Yeah. But he just talked about that. So that's what I imagine when you were like, here we go, Tony, 10 a.m., strutting into that song playing. And then it goes for 15 fucking hours until the next day on the 1 a.m. Um, but yeah, so I, I legitimately think we should create a date where we, like a day where we induct him and it'll just be like a thing on the grid of Instagram, right? Yeah. But it should be like a reel and we should have that song and he's being inducted. Yep. Certified lead. Yep. So this meeting goes until 1 a.m. And the board requ- requests Bill's resignation. Wow. And he finally submits it and they immediately accept. <sighs> Later that day, so we're on Sunday the 6th. Okay. At 3 p.m., Bill holds a staff meeting announcing his resignation. Okay. A mere two days later, the board votes in John McClario as not only the replacement for Bill Gothard as president, but also as chairman of the board. So a dual position. Okay. Bill wasn't also chair of the board. You know what I mean? So it's like they're doing something different now. Okay. So McClario is a, I think I'm saying that right, is an attorney, um, and he's on the executive council for Bob Jones University, an evangelical. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. I feel yeah. like that's been the theme of this. Surprise. <laughs> like, yeah. This whole episode. John, he wastes absolutely no time before he starts throwing his dick around. Oh, man. So that same day at 6 p.m., he, they hold yet another staff meeting. So many fucking staff meetings. 
And before he is even formally introduced in his roles, he announces that the staff had one hour to decide if they wanted to resign or continue working, but to ask no more questions or give any kind of resistance. Oh, God. It's great, right? You're right. So after someone made one of those, you know, thoughtful appeals we learn about, someone made an appeal. Okay. And he said, okay, okay. And he took back the one hour time frame. (laughs) (laughs) And he said that he would personally meet with each staff member um, over the next few days. They got 15 minutes with him. Oh, my God. So I'm going to kind of skip over some of the other details, but just say in general, over... 31 staff members resigned or were fired by July 14th. Jeez. And then by the end of 1980, 50 staff members had left in some form or another. Holy shit. Out of the total 76 that were there working at the beginning of this whole thing. Wow. So you got three quarters of your people that left in some form or another. I mean, after all that shit they had just gone through and then the next person comes in and that's the the way that they enter the room. Come on. He just like, he literally unzipped and just threw it on the table. So on July 10th, just two days after being voted into his new roles, John called a meeting asking Tony to resign. Tony, uh, he refused to resign, stating that he felt God leading him to see this through. So then he was fired. Of course. This comes after Tony had previously been promised that his job was not at stake. By both Bill Gothard and the board. Everybody told him, no, 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 you're fine. Wow. But it's not like this is surprising in any kind of way. No, no. Because they don't see the problem as actually being Bill or Steve. The problem is the people who draw attention to it Mm -hmm. and make them look bad. Yep. That's the problem. Yep. And on a personal note, that hits me a little hard because of my own situation Mm -hmm. where we have these institutions, if you will, Mm -hmm. who the only thing they care about is how they look and not the actual... Mm -hmm immoral or toxic things that are actually happening but yep. when you have something to say or you th- you you have a view on it that's the problem and you that's the, i take that fucking personal because that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened to me yep so good for tony he fucking refused mm-hmm. i wish i'd refused <laughs> <laughs> i didn't and here we are yeah but um yeah so and the other thing about Tony is I didn't write this down, but the thing that's, I think that makes Bill such a big piece of shit. Like I can just imagine the type of guy that he is because in one of the things that people were writing the whole time this investigation was happening, Bill paid that fucking role where he was like feel free to talk to tony the guy you know he does this oh investig- yeah he was doing the if you have any questions talk to tony so he's trying to play this like i have nothing to hide if mm-hmm. you have anything to say i don't have a problem with you going to tony because it's under that guise of like if i look super open to it i don't look like i have anything to hide but mm-hmm. then in reality he thinks i think that probably lessened people going to it because it's like well, I don't have anything well to he hide. wouldn't do that if he didn't yeah, have anything exactly. to hide. Yeah. But he's just that type of piece of shit where he's going to ma- manipulate the situation. It's such like old mobster shit, too, where it's like, I mean, we're not going to do anything to you, but we can't say that something won't happen to your family. I mean, things happen every day. Like, it's that yeah. kind of shit, you know? Yep. So, despite coming in hot, John's reign is short-lived. Okay. Lasting only 17 days as he resigns on July 24th. Okay. 
Why, you ask? Oh, God. Well, apparently his own immoral past actions were starting to bubble to the surface. And while no details were ever given, it was said to have been confirmed by people involved. Okay. Oh. I'm ready for it. So another... I don't know the details. Oh. That's what I just just said. I was like, there's no details. I'm just saying, oh, another man in power that thinks that he's above everybody else and behind the scenes he's doing all sorts of shit that's exactly uh, hypocritical. Because I don't know the actual situation. So I don't know. I don't know if it's straight up abuse. Probably is. You know, but... um, yeah, either way, you're not you're not walking the walk that you're preaching. Yeah. And I mean, we've had this discussion too like like when you go into the as a head of an organization or if you go into politics or you like you do things that put you out into the public limelight. You gotta know. People are gonna dig. It's gonna happen. Somebody, whether it's malicious where they don't want you to take that that spot, or it's, you know, we're just curious or we want to do some background checking, your skeletons will fly out of your closet. Yep. And that, like, that's that thing where, like, you became the head of an organization. Fucking lay low. Like, run, do your job well. But no, instead, you come in, coming in hot. And then shit comes out because they're like, well, this asshole, I'm going to see if I can, you know what I mean? Yep. Oh, these people. I know. Trash. Trash Fucking trash bags. God. Fucking human garbage. (laughs) So his resignation, it it was really quiet and never really addressed or explained to the staff or public or anyone in any kind of way. It just, it happened very swiftly. Low, you know, just like. Really low profile. Okay. So then the very next day, on the 25th of July, Bill Gothard resumes his role as president as if nothing ever happened. Wow. In fact, after that point on, things were kind of, history was sort of rewritten. Okay. And then from then on, it was pretty much worded, handled, alluded to as if he had just kind of been away on a leave of absence or vacation. Wow. So he was able to essentially in his head probably pay consequence or pay consequences initially but then come back and it was like now i'm even more untouchable because i got away yeah well that's the problem that's what people don't see when you let people get away with things it only gets worse it doesn't Mm -hmm. stop and we'll see but it doesn't ever stop yeah it's fucking infuriating So while there are several reasons why the board was totally fine letting this happen, I'm sure, you know, um, (laughs) nothing specific. It's not like there's any record of anything. It's not like they're like, this is why we let this happen. Of course. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of things that come into play. And and this is my projection, my opinions here. I I don't think it's crazy to assume that money was one of the biggest factors. Absolutely. And that's because when the scandal initially broke earlier in the year. Uh, and was made public, they ended up canceling all their seminars for the remainder of the year. Cha-ching. Seminars are their bread and butter, Mm -hmm. their money maker. So I I really don't think it's a stretch to assume that getting things back to quote, you know, air quotes here, normal, back to normal, (laughs) as soon as possible was financially motivated. Of course. I will say, though, not everyone on the board was completely on board 
Merp. Merp. Um, was on board with how this all went down. Okay. Dr. Samuel Schultz resigned. And that one, it's kind of particularly noteworthy because he had been on the board since its conception when it was still campus teams back in 1965. Wow. So he was like the old guard yeah, that was like, yeah, I'm not He's been there the entire 15 years before it was, when it was the very first thing it ever was. Wow. And he was also a professor at Wheaton College, which, of course, was Bill Gothard's alumni school mm-hmm. and the birthplace of basic youth conflicts via the course that Bill had been asked by the college to create in 1964, which led to all of this. So he's a fellow Wheaton person. Mm -hmm. He's been on the board the entire time, and he took a fucking stand and was like, nope. And he he talked about, like, he has no – he doesn't listen to authority. He he did just all these things or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he – he addresses the board during a meeting on December in December of 1980, and he reads this a letter out loud to the board. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just one single line. But that, and that's because it fucking cracked me up. Okay. He said, "Quote, Bill is our problem. He is our basic problem." Wow. Which I love its pointed simplicity because mm-hmm. it says so much with so few words. Mm-hmm. But what I really love is how he throws the word basic in there. <laughs> I feel like it's a real fuck you. Oh, like yeah. a real middle finger to Bill. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking here for it. Because, you know, it was basic <laughs> youth conflicts. Ba- so it's like basic youth conflicts, basic principles, basic problem. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I fucking love it. Wow. Like, I that was totally like a snarky ass. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> it's great. So now I'm going to close this out. By saying that while I wish I could say that the scandal had a bigger effect on IBLP, it's really unfortunate because IBLP's peak years were 1982 and 1983. So and why right do you feel like this, that is? I, I don't know. Because I feel like... I'm going to do a deep dive in the future, but... Yeah. I just feel like if they went through all of this turmoil, it's really easy as, like the people that are left after a situation like that to be like, well, look at all these people that were the problem. Bill was back, right? Bill's back, baby. Like, you know, so it's not like he was gone, but now he could even more so control the narrative and say that it was these other people that was the problem. And then when you had people that were part of the old guard leaving, he could even twist it and be like, look, they were part of that. Yeah. Now we can all move on together. And it's like, no, you're still the problem, man. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so as much as it sucks, like I feel like the people that were members of that group could look at it after that case and go, oh, well, at least we're past that really bad yeah, yeah. part. We grew and now, and now yeah, we're better. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. So I think I want to say that. It was by 1980, I think, that they'd had 2 million people go to seminars. Okay. And, like, in 1982 and 83, they had, like, 300,000 people going a year. So, it's okay. like they, they grew quite a bit. Yeah. Um, And it's funny that, like, you're talking about, like, everybody else is the problem almost type, you know, thing. Um, I didn't mention it earlier, but when that first artist guy, that the other John, when he first quit when he, mm-hmm. and before he took the stuff to Tony... After that happened, like, Bill went around saying that, like, he just has a problem with authority, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And then that when all this stuff was happening with Bill and he was on his, like, 
you know, air quotes, leave of absence. Yeah. Um, he that's what he had convinced the the new guy of too and like and the board were still like well yeah like the board thought that this stuff happened but mm-hmm. then they were just like but these people do have a problem with authority and blah blah yeah. blah 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 so i think that's why it's really funny that um dr schultz was like you're the one that has a problem with authority mm-hmm. and he's like you're you ha- you're not answering to anybody and you just did whatever the fuck you want i'm out yeah wow it's quite the story insane so I feel like there's not too much of a wind down because even though it's a wild story and there's so much going on, it's kind of like none of it's surprise. Like it's, it's a wild yeah. twist and turns, but at the end of it, 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 it just kind of boils down to the, the fact that it's interesting that we see the exact same tactics being used by the members of the cult. So mm-hmm. like we said, Lego and the John Schrader's dad and whatever mm-hmm. with the sending away and the deeming them healed and then trying to marry them off to you know, avoid further issue, making it some poor girl's problem instead. <laughs> it's like, we, we don't want you to be our problem anymore. Just go yeah. be her problem. We're going to bank is. on the fact that her dad's thirsty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just very clear how deeply ingrained in the culture it is starting from the very top. So I yeah. think that was the most interesting thing to be like, mm-hmm. oh, no, this is how it all operates. Yeah. Like, we knew he's fucking corrupt. We knew all of this. But it's like the copy and paste of this scandal this happened in 1976, and this is how he handled it. Mm-hmm. 1980, this is how he handled it. It's all yep. the same shit. Yeah. And it's the same shit that Lego did. And it's the yep. same shit that fucking... It was like... Yeah. So how many other stories out there are there are more copy and paste of this? Yeah. That you'll never know. It's insanity. But it's at the end of the day, as interesting as it is, it, it is just your average man in power gets away with everything story you know you're not wrong time and time again it's sad these men in power just get away with shit and that's the story wow noises is that like uh how dad's the chef and he was he wasn't parking in the employee parking lot wait what i was i went into work today and i texted my boss and I, because I was going in to help. I think we told that story earlier, right? Yeah. Oh, by uh, the way, people, we didn't. This isn't. This ended up not being recorded in one shot. We were trying to get it done earlier in the day, <laughs> and we had just started the deep dive, and then our landscaper showed up. In and, the middle, in the middle of us talking, Whitney was like in between statements, and then you heard, <laughs> and we were like, "Damn it!" So we were like, "What do we do?" And they were just, they were working the whole time pretty much until I had to go to work. So, so yeah, this is earlier, much later. <laughs> earlier we were like, we're getting it done early in the day and Tim's going to go to work yeah. later. Tim has gone to work and is back and now we're doing this part at yeah. night. <laughs> so I texted my boss and I was like, um, I don't know where the employee parking lot is at this location because I've been training at the other one. So I texted him and said, hey, just to be clear, the important parking lots like right south of of our location right and he's like just park in the front and there's something about it where like even though i know that at the end of the day i'm the executive chef it still makes me feel bad because i'm like my team has to park over there like you know what i mean yeah so that was mildred's way of throwing shade at me to be like oh man, man in, power, in power gets to park wherever shit, you want whatever the fuck they want yeah you tell them mildred you fucking tell them that's my girl. I raised her right. 
Oh man, so that was a good a, first This is a long dive. episode. This is probably going to be our longest episode to date. Nine <laughs> hours. Yeah, so yeah. long. Wow. Very nice. Thank you. You have anything you need to wind down with for that deep dive? No, I that was kind of my wind down. It's just okay. like the themes. I, I mean, yeah, because it, it's a crazy ass story, but I, I don't really have much else to say about it yeah. other than like, Yep, seen that, heard that, seen that. Now we're just yeah. hearing it with different details and Correct. different twists and turns. But it's the same shit. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's sad that all those years after that, when like the stuff with Pesto's happening, like that just shows you that those, the system that they built to cover those things up is still alive and well. Oh, yeah. You oh, know. Yeah. And I think it's even int- more interesting. I want to say off the top of my head, wasn't it like 1984 that, um, it wasn't it 1984 or something like that, that they first did the Jim Salmon thing. I could be off by a year mm-hmm. or so or whatever, but that's right after the peak of IBLP too. So it's yeah. just funny when you read these things like that, like all this, this happened and then immediately after that had their peak and then right after that peak mm-hmm. is when they got involved. And it's just funny when you can kind of, yeah. Imagine that timeline altogether of like, yeah. oh, so it was a mere couple years after this that right. then they're like, let's join this shit. Like, right. and I'm not saying that every detail of it was out. Um, I know that I that's part of that's part of it is the mm-hmm. covering up of it. And things weren't as accessible Correct. back then to like look it up. But it's still interesting to think of it in that way and be like, oh, all this just happened. And it's like, let's let's be a part of that. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Whew, I'm exhausted. Damn. I'm literally exhausted. Damn. I'm sweating. <laughs> All right. Well, how was our first episode back? You asking me? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was rhetorical to the. No, no, that was me asking you. I thought, or is you asking Mildred as she lays next to me? Mildred is passed out passed on the floor, out. like, like she roasted you, and it was exhausting. That's so. pretty much, yeah. 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 So, yep. um. Yeah, it's been cool to be back. I miss, uh, there's a little bit of a, and I say grind, not in a way where it's like, ugh, this is miserable. But like, there is a grind where like, you have to fit the work for the podcast into the week. And I will say that I kind of missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of gave me, not purpose, but like, it gave me a thing where it's like, okay, well, I know when I get into like Friday, I need to watch the episode and then I need to take notes and then I need, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was kind of nice to get back in and, and, and do that again. That was so. a day later than I wanted to be on all this because as people saw on the, Insta- on the Instagrams, my DVD went missing and I had to tear our whole house apart and it, our, ro- our Victor, our robot vacuum, he got a hold of the DVD sound somehow and he pushed it under. I had pulled, I know I pulled it out. When I thought that second week, when mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get back into it. And then I was like, oh, I just can't. I have too much other stuff yeah. I need to get done before I devote spending 30 hours a week again. Yeah. Um, it's like, I just need to get some shit done. So I think I had it out on the floor from like pulling it out and he'd pushed it under a shelf. But I was in a mad fucking panic. Yeah. And I was like, I just told everybody that we're going to be back and now I can't find the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a day late and all this. Because it's like the little the little spinning brushes that tell it when it's getting close to something. That DVD case is probably just below that. Yeah. So when it hits that DVD case, it doesn't realize that something's there. It just pushes it, it along. Yeah. yeah. 
So I was tearing everything apart and I literally was going back through and I'm like, I know, you know, when you start to second guess your sanity and <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know I own this. I know it because I know I looked ahead because I know I've been paranoid about not having things in time. You know what I mean? Like I'm worried about three seasons from now, right now. So I'm like, I know I own it. I'm searching my email to make sure that I ordered it. And I'm like, yep, I got it in August. Like, you know, like, uh, it's so funny. <laughs> okay i guess we should finally close this shit out it's been a long one this has been a long one. it's been a good one though it's good to be back but we do have some new information about yeah. how you can support us yeah i'm excited about this so we talked about doing something patreon-esque mostly just because people are like it's hard for me to remember to Correct. buy you a coffee you know or whatever so having a membership type situation mm-hmm. just makes it so it's not as you don't really have to remember anything it just kind of charges you every month and yeah. you so I did a lot of research into looking at different options. People sent a lot of options, which Mm -hmm. I was grateful for. There's a lot to consider. The end of the day, the thing that was the deciding factor was keeping everything all in one place. Yeah. We decided that that would be the easiest thing. So um, we're going to keep everything on Buy Me a Coffee because Buy Me a Coffee does have a membership thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's not as widely known just because patreon is such the like leader in these type things and then other people what's the other one like ko-fi or what is it i've seen a bunch anyways there's like there's a bunch of other ones and um it's only it was only a year ago that buy me a coffee yeah they rolled it out they rolled out like the membership Mm -hmm. type thing so it's not as widely known but figured this way everything's in one spot Mm -hmm. so you can always as always i'm giving my disclaimer nothing is changing here if you Mm -hmm. can't or don't want to that is fine I, I pre, you know, it's fine. You can keep listening either way. Nothing's changing. Correct. But if you want to support us in the fact, in, you know, buying materials or the time that we put into it mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so you can always still just buy coffees when you want to on the buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. But now if you go there to that same web, you know, same um, mm-hmm. address, um, you can also get to that from our link tree if you, and our Instagram if that's faster for you. Now, when you go on there, you will see a membership option, mm-hmm. and we decided we're not we're, we didn't do multiple tiers. It's just the one, mm-hmm. so it's five dollars. It's the equivalent of one coffee. One coffee, yep. So I think Tim wrote in the description for just the price of one cup of coffee, like those old you, commercials. You can support podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just for it's like a I think Tim wrote. Uh, coffee a month club or something like that or like whatever pickle pickle of the oh, month yeah. club yeah. Pick, pickle yeah. a month club you're gonna love the name i don't want to say the name yeah. on here but you guys are gonna like it it's pretty funny so it's just the one tier it's just the equivalent of one coffee a month mm-hmm. um it's your just way to support us if you don't want to have to remember to do it and then the perk of being a member with that is that we will have some bonus material over there mm-hmm. so it will be some stuff will be podcast related like um additional like little supplemental Mm -hmm. extras that will be straight up Duggar or you know very podcast related yeah but then in addition we're going to share some personal stories little Mm -hmm. funny little funny stories and here and there and I think on a personal level like we you and I have mentioned things kind of about our personal lives that we didn't really go into detail for and um they're funny stories or they're interesting things that'll just kind of give you another layer of like insight into i i kept thinking about it it's kind of that like if you know you know kind of energy yeah you know so it's like when 
I reference something or Whitney references something, you're going to be like, yeah, I know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But then also, I mean, obviously, we clearly have no problems over here talking about our personal lives as we Agreed. have mm-hmm. and going off on tangents as we talked about Arthur for 10 minutes today. So that's not <laughs> oh, something we mind. Yeah. But over there, there are just some stories that I think you guys might like to hear that I mm-hmm. can't talk about because they'll take an hour, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so over there, we'll just have some fun stuff. Um, Total transparency. Just uh, I know some people guarantee like you're going to get this many things a month. Yeah. Total transparency. I cannot guarantee you any certain amount of supplementary things in a month. Sometimes it's a miracle we get this done. But it is. So I would, if that's a deal breaker for you, maybe that's not for you if you're there specifically just for that. But you will definitely get bonus content. So just think of it as a way to support us every month. And it's a bonus, not necessarily a very strict, like, reward Regi- system not not a regimented like timeline of yeah. how often and and we're also growing like we're yeah. in the infancy of this so you know those are things that kind of might evolve as kind of like our podcast evolves and things so just i i think that's kind of my point is that it's it's something cool we are so thankful for the amount of support that we've gotten so far and uh we're excited to see what we can what we can do moving forward yep so thank you you can head there and check it out if you want to Mildred, do you have anything? Nope, she's asleep. She's passed out on the floor. Yep. Um, and I, I'm, I didn't cry. Woo! You started to when? Um, when you were talking about the organizations and letting toxic things happen and they move on, and then you don't do anything, it just makes it worse. You got a little emotional in that one. Oh, but I did not cry. So. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. but as normal, if you would like to buy us a pickle. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. Um, you can send us a message at digging up the Duggers at gmail.com. Of course, as always, enjoy our episode visuals and other crazy things on Instagram at digging up the Duggers pod. And if you do want to send us any semblance of snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona 85312. And this week, I will be putting up the bingo board so you can see it. So, oh, I'm sorry. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a, that was a lot of fun. I just got to so. design it now for the, for the gram. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Don't be a selfish pinata. We'll see you next week.